I'm Start recording, recording audio now for my side. Cool. I think we might have clicked it around the same time. Okay, I'm going to minimize Discord. Yeah. Uh, our audio will never match up because I removed the pauses and stuff. <clears throat> I feel like I'm too bright with that open. Ah, it's got to be open. Alrighty. What are you pointing to? Nothing. Are you muted, right? Nothing. There's nobody on my screen. There's nobody over there. You're just pointing like off screen. I'm pointing yeah. at you. It's oh. like the Brady Bunch. And yeah, not on mine. Not on mine. Not on what everybody's going to see. You know what yeah. I realized, too? My camera's, like, mirrored, and I don't know how to... Yeah, they all are. Maybe I should mirror this before I export it next time. Yeah, if mm -hmm. you mirrored it uh, as you're exporting it, it would reverse it back to the normal quote unquote. Yeah, I should probably do that. Are you guys mirrored, too? Everybody yeah, I don't is. know. Looks like Jared's seat says the correct oh, no. thing. Jared's seat is correct. It says GTR. Damn it. GT Mine's backwards on Damn my it. screen. Oh, it's backwards on your screen? Mm hmm Can you read my shirt? Yep. Yeah. Oh, it's backwards on the on the on the on the screen, but it's not in the capture. Mm-hmm. This is my left hand wedding ring, and it's but it looks like my right hand on mine. Yeah. Totem cough ring. Some, That's what it some, is. <laughs> some baby back bullshit. We all have the same fucking camera. Why? That's weird. No, 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 no. It's it's because the you're seeing it mirrored. Yeah. But the yeah. the whoever's it's viewing it isn't seeing it mirrored. It's stupid because my OBS is recording this. This. Oh, because yours is always going to be mirrored. So yours is backwards. Mm. Mm. Neato. I learned something. Okie dokie. <sighs> okay. Do the introduction. You want to do it? We want to do it. I'll, I can do it if you. Yeah, whatever. <clears throat> Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the MilSerp World Podcast, the podcast all about military surplus. I'm your host, uh, Wish.com Grand Thumb, and uh, today we're joined by uh, Homus Othias, 1000% Hillbilly, and uh, Vetterly Lover. <laughs> you really are Wish.com Grand Thumb. Yeah, I love Homus Othias, <laughs> although I. Cut all the hair off so it doesn't make like it doesn't work anymore. Yeah, if, if you just need the hat, a hat, yeah, something like that. We'll have to find that. I think he picked his hat because it's rather unique. Yeah, I think he brought I it on the podcast, or it was random, or it was like a random hat that he just happened I think to have. He just I think, had it, maybe. is what he said. He, he had yeah. all those hats and he liked them. Well, he said too that he did it so if he cuts his hair, so if he has to make a fix, you won't know. Right. So that's real. That's real. It's like a it's long, smart. it's like a long, yeah, it's like a long hair problem. Cause uh, you could you could notice that like the next day, different hairstyle or whatever. Yeah, my wife so, is uh, currently comparing you to Grantham. Oh, her phone. And, yeah. Uh, if she looks at, a, at the the later Grantham when he has, I don't know if he still has a mustache, but he yeah. he grew a mustache too. It's like a, everybody grew mm -hmm. a mustache, right? Like right around the same, you know, couple weeks there, and uh, right around the time Top Gun came out, I think. And uh, <laughs> yeah, Rooster. Gosh, man. So, so who do we actually have in the chat today, Danny? Oh, yeah, me, Danny. We have Aaron, Jared, and we have a special guest, Cody, who, as I might have just tipped it off as, a, as the, the veterinary lover. Uh, who is uh, <laughs> yep. uh, one of our Discord members, uh, Patreon members. Yes, he is a Patreon contributor and a Discord member. Because uh, we have a Discord, or we have a Patreon-only Discord. Um, Patreon and Utreon uh, contributors get our get our Discord and then get to come on the show. Um, it's funny, Frantic. I, I mentioned you on the last podcast. I don't know if you listened to it, but I was like, I we got to talk about these exploding veterlies. Yeah, I like that. Because you're the you're the Italian veterly guy, right? 
you like yeah. that's that's your thing because we're going to talk we're going to talk about italian stuff for sure uh we're also going to talk about pattern collecting a little bit more in general but you have like that's your thing that's what you collect most of right or uh yeah i got 12 of them right now so at 12 and me. 12 and growing I got 11 m95s yeah so that's the that's the, yeah. that's the disease man yeah, yeah right now i've been us. right now i've been buying a lot of the other stuff bayonets ammo stuff like that cool oh instead of new rifles i forgot it's been a while since we had a, a, a new guest on we have to ask you the questions which is yeah. uh how did you get into military surplus and what was your first military s surplus rifle or pistol i think i got into military surplus just by playing call of duty and medal of honor growing up it's so like your first um first exposure to guns is world war ii stuff that's like what you think of when you think of guns so like i always thought military surplus guns were cool and of course the first one i got was a mosin out of a crate from a pawn shop for 200 bucks yeah that's like that's, it's almost cliche at this point yeah yeah and, and that was that was like seven eight years ago um they were still like 200 bucks out of crates yeah but for everyone our age yeah yeah. Like we're all, we all look roughly the same age, so we all had money at the same time. What's the cheap gun? Yeah, Mosins. Yeah, Chilean Mausers. <laughs> eighty-eight dollars, man. I paid eighty-eight dollars for Mosin. Fifteen years from now, people are going to be talking about how their first Milser was a Carcano that they got for ninety-nine bucks mm -hmm. from RTI. So. Uh, my my only. Oh, no, I bought a Type 53, I guess, but uh, the only M9130 I ever had was $120, and I got a whole spam can minus five shots because the guy had taken it out to the range, shot it five times, and was like, yeah, I don't like it. Yeah. So, yeah, that, that, I bought a, that happened. <laughs> I bought an open spam can just like that. Somebody just opened it, shot like a box or whatever, out of one of the little packs out of it, and then, meh, yeah. That's funny the way that works. So, uh, rec recent acquisitions. I know our our time, real time. We've like this. These are like a week apart in this podcast and the last one. But uh, I have a gun show tomorrow. So if you ask me tomorrow, I could tell you, but not today. Yeah, that's that was exactly my predicament last week. Oh, you got two. I got two. Oh, he's got them ready too. Look at this. Yeah, uh, Greek, the Greek. A Greek nineteen oh three. Oh, the, light, the lighting's terrible, but um, I got this for 125 bucks. Um, Holy! Yeah, so it's it's funny the the stock is like handmade. It's a replacement. Somebody made this, I think, entirely by hand, and it's missing the uh, end cap here, and also the uh, ejector. But it 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 functions. I think it'll shoot just fine too. The bore's good on it. Yeah, he was telling me before the podcast started, he took it apart, and you can see inside the channel, It's it looks like it's been chiseled out. Yeah, it, it literally looks like somebody just used, like, a hammer and chisel and made it from scratch, but, I mean, it... Maybe, an, uh, maybe it another works. stock that was, like, modified? Something like that, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing I got was a Polish WZ-48 22 long rifle Mosin. Oh, yeah. Copy. I think I saw you posted that earlier in Discord. Yeah, yeah. The guy, the guy wanted four twenty five for it. Uh, I offered three fifty. He said no, so I just walked away. And then I came back fifteen minutes later. 
didn't even say anything. And he, he, as I walked past, he said, give me 350 for it. So, 350. <laughs> the strongest, yeah, that the strongest uh, sometimes the strongest move is just walking away. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah that, that really works sometimes. Yeah. It's well, I was saying funny. earlier, I saw a lot of pretty decent deals at the gun show today. Um, I think prices are starting to come down on a lot of things. Um, there was a FN 49 for 900 bucks. Romanian SKS for 500 bucks. Um, Spanish Civil War Gewehr 98 for 700 bucks. There were some decent deals out there. Which FN 49? Egyptian. I don't know. It said 8mm FN 49. Egyptian. It was Egyptian. Okay. It's still a good price for it. Yeah, it's still a good price. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah still for a sure. Good price. It's, a, it's the squeeze. They've got, they've got money on their book. Yeah, because you can have, tell people need the money. They don't have the they have the inventory, but they don't have the cash. And now they need the cash, so they need to figure out they can't just hang on to it forever. You know, so if they need it now, they're going to they're going to lower prices. Yeah, the show I went to today was kind of interesting like that. There was a lot of good deals. And uh, I was there for a couple hours from like 10 to noon or something. And uh, none of the good deals that I saw sold. Which I was like, oh, that's gonna sell soon. Like that's gonna sell soon. That that sort of thing. But uh, I mean, there was a there was a a Moss forty nine fifty six that was in seven six two for six hundred and fifty bucks. Um, a Spanish M forty three that was uh, three hundred and sixty bucks. Uh, a Spanish nineteen sixteen that was like two eighty, something like that. Uh, a Polytech M one A that was a that was a grand. Um, right. Yeah, Eddie Stone 1917 was 750. Um, yeah, quite a few. It was it was a little sanded. The stock was sanded, like the cartouches were pretty light on it. Um, but uh, yeah, like surprisingly good deals. Like there was quite a quite a bunch of those. I'm just like forgetting other other deals that I saw. But uh, I know one yeah, of the things you saw. Oh yeah, yeah. Forgot about that. Yeah, you saw an M9524, which is a, a very uncommon variant. Of the M95, which is eight millimeter Mauser, for those that don't yeah, not know. to be confused with the M95M, because it it's completely different. Because yes. this one has instead of an M stamped after M95, this one has a slash two four yep. after the M95. Yep. So just completely different. Don't ask me why. Nobody knows. They yeah. don't know. Um, about five grand, right? Or, or yeah. five thousand of those it, are it's believed estimated. They the the serials for the M95Ms continue. They don't start. There's never been a lower number than five, and they've never found a higher number than 5K for the M9524s. So it's assumed that that's when the switchover happened, but there's no proof of anything. Yeah, it makes more sense that it would be called an M95 slash 24 because it's modified to be the like the Mauser M like 24 yeah uh, it's, it's style the vz24 uh it's it has the same barrel same sights um same overall length um so like it's it's basically just aping an m95 action to be a, a vz24 yeah that's the wish.com m24 vz24 vz24 i was like what, m24 vz24 yeah that's the it's 11 yeah, o'clock here that's a cz <laughs> That's the CZ24 that you have at home. Yeah. That's that. Yeah. They're, they're notoriously known for having broken extractors or missing the special clips that they had to put into them 
so they didn't have to be fed an in-block clip. So uh, they're, they're, they were not meant for long-term use. It was a stopgap measure, and they're notoriously known for missing these things, and you can't use them otherwise. So they're basically just... A lot of them are doorstops or wall hangers. Checkbox. But, but Danny found one today, which the guy knew what it was, unfortunately, for Danny. So he didn't yeah. price it properly. <laughs> it was the it was the guy with the with the two Spanish Mausers that I named off because you know like three sixty and two eighty and the the you know the M ninety five twenty four wasn't marked, and I'm thinking oh like is it in the same you know range is this gonna be like three four hundred dollars I can swoop in and get this thing for, but no the guy was like it's eight hundred bucks it's a it's a you know need like described it to me it's one of five thousand blah 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 and I was like oh eight hundred bucks like I'm not he, he has Google. Now, I mean, it, yeah. he's not wrong. I got mine for five, which is really good deal. Um, but it, it's it's kind of an odd market for those because um, they're just a weird stopgap thing. Like they're not really there's unless like you collect Yugoslavian guns, which some people do, but like it's not really Yugoslavian, and then. It's not really Austro-Hungarian. It's not Bulgarian. Yeah. It's like, it's a weird thing. Yeah, I think M95s kind of suffer from that in general because, like, collectors can't pin it down to one specific... Mm-hmm. Like, it's like a regional gun. Yeah, it's and, pretty uh, much Balkans. Yeah, Balkan gun. Yeah. Yeah. And how many people do you know that just just collect Balkan guns? Yeah, like, it's not... I any, yeah. I, I don't know anybody that just, you know, collects predominantly Balkan you know, which, which is or funny whatever. because there's so many guns that were used in the Balkans. A lot of them are scrub, though. Uh, well, a lot of them end up being modified and stuff like that. But like those guns changed hands so many times. Bulgaria did yeah. not get along with anybody and yeah. nobody got along with them. There's Balkan captured uh, K98Ks that you can find. I, I had a couple of those before. Um, yeah, I think mine is. Yeah. Yeah, well, lots of interesting. The, the later production Mosins, right? They still produced Mosins into the 50s? Mm-hmm. Hungarians did. Oh, yeah, Hungarians, yeah. Well, yeah, I don't know if that's so much a Balkan thing, but because Hungary and Poland and... Mm-hmm. Yeah, a few, a few countries did. Well, and then, I mean, obviously, Yugoslavia produced SKSs. Yeah, imagine... Like- Imagine being Poland, and they're like, "We had these amazing Mausers that we made, high quality before the war." And then the the they get invaded, taken over by the Russians. They're like, "No, you make niet, you make a mozine now." Yeah, and we had the um, sweet Viz thirty five. No, now you make Tokarev. Yeah. Oh man. <laughs> you be Circle Eleven. You, you make, make guns. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You must use our ammo. You are welcome, comrade. So uh, I can go to my recent acquisitions oh, if you guys. Oh, Danny's uh, got to start brag now. Here we go. So this is not a brag. This is just going through the list. I got a. I got another Peruvian 1935. It's just a fact. Fact, Jack. Um, I got a Peruvian 1935. Another one. Because um, I found it on. It's. It's actually kind of. It's not like the best condition, uh, but as a cleaning rod and a sling on it. Um, but I got it for I got it for under five, which like we were just talking about that on the last podcast. Like you can't get a South American or whatever. I don't it shouldn't have went below five. 
but it, probably the condition being a bit on the rough side, like the crest on the on the receiver is not like the most crisp. But um, I didn't think I would win it, and I was kind of like, oh crap. Well, I mean, I'll I'll pay under under five or whatever for it. So I got that, um, and I got a uh, oh I got a sword. I don't collect a whole lot of swords, but I got this. This is a uh, an imperial. So if you're watching this on on YouTube, you can see the the sword. But this is a uh, an imperial landing forces sword, which is like the the Japanese Marines. Uh, I need to figure out a date, but approximately probably this is uh, dated like 43 or 44 or something like that. Um, I need to take the handle off to to see, but it's just like knocking it. So it has these two little like wooden, you know, dowel pen things that are holding it on. And I can get one out, but the other one is just it's stubborn and I don't want to hurt it. So I've just been trying to gently get this thing out for for like days and it's not coming out. So um, luckily, Navy or Army? Uh, Navy. Okay. Yeah. Navy. Navy, which like the Navy had an army. So it's, you know. That's why I asked because it's that they were so bitter rivals and separate. Yes, yes, the they army, really were. The army had an aircraft carrier. Yeah, it's so weird. Like their their armed forces split is like they just happen to be named army and navy. It doesn't really totally have to do with like what they what they're allowed to have like well, in the U.S. They hated each other too. It was all about a bunch of oh yeah political like to to the detriment of their war effort. They hated each other. And would not support each other at some times, but um, so so Japanese World War II swords they all have some sort of like uh, retention method, so you can't draw like can't take the sword just straight out of the sheath. So this guy has a button that you can uh, that yeah, you press, push button. and then yeah, you can draw the sword out. And I found out this thing is sharp. So uh, would they sharpen pretty... those? Like a is that is that a thing? Yeah, it's not like a bayonet where they were kept dull. You know, these were they actually did want these, you know, okay, sharp know for when they had to. Uh, about swords, so I didn't know if those were kept dull or if those were sharpened. Yeah, these were these were kept sharp. Yeah, some swords are not. Some are. It depends. Mm. Yeah, like ceremonial dress swords or whatever. Right, like, yeah, dull. not gonna be. But like a like a combat sword, um, like this. Yeah, they you know they they were they were expecting to uh to you know to use these. And it does have it does have a mum, in case you were wondering. Hey, yeah. look at that! So that's that's ninety ninety percent of the value right there. Yeah, I mean, yeah. So it's my it's my second um it's my second sword. I have a I have a NCO sword as well that I got a while back. But uh, and then this thing I have been looking for one of these guys for a while. A uh a French Emily nineteen fifty. A Mac or a Mac. Or yeah, Mac fifty. It's the return of the Mac. Yeah, which is it's essentially a. Uh... Neither one of you respond. Neither none of you guys. That was a great joke. Fuck you I, don't, guys. I don't. I don't know if if people don't laugh. I don't know if it's a. Understand it. The return of the Mac. All right, whatever. It's I'm sure song. somebody will comment. It's a song. I got it. I got your joke, Aaron. I understood. That somebody will comment that. Sure, I'm sure. I'm sure. So here we go. So we got two. Do we got two Macs? So we got the little Mac and we got the big Mac. <laughs> uh, and uh, so this is the this is the 1935S. So I'll just hold it in my hand so you kind of get a size reference for it. And then you have the 1950, which is uh, so the 1935 is you, and the 1950 is the guy she tells you not to worry about. Uh, check out this grip. That's huge. It's it's like 
Yeah, like look at this. I can get like all I get four fingers on this grip. Like you can have massive hands and have this gun, you know, easily. And that's just because the French the French required uh, nine round magazine. You know, it ha it's single stack. So how do you get a single stack magazine to fit nine rounds? You make it longer, yeah. <laughs> and then you gotta make the grip longer. So uh, the grip looks nice and fat too. Yeah, it's yeah. it's pretty. Like, it's yeah. it's thicc. Yeah, it's yeah. Uh, it really it really really fills your hand up. I have to say the design, the the lines of it's very nice. Yeah, yeah it looks pretty. Yeah, it's pretty aesthetically pleasing, I would say. Um, it's very modern looking. If I had to, if I had to say something about it. Yeah, I mean, it's it's Browning derived. You know, right. it's essentially like a 1911 ish, high power ish sort yeah. of sort I mean, of you pistol. Can see, you could definitely see the influence, but yeah. What's what's yeah. it in? Nine nine millimeter. Oh. The French finally went to nine millimeter Regular with the 1950. Nine. Yeah, they had, had thirty two French long with the 1935. And then they, yeah, I mean, they could have went nine millimeter like decades previous. I guess they sort of did with like the P38s and whatever they got. But uh, yeah, the hammer bite is confirmed with this. I uh, when I picked this up from Joel's, I put a we put a mag through it, and uh, yeah, definitely, definitely got my hand because I heard that, forgot about it, and just you know went to shoot it, and uh, and I was like, ow, like okay, and then I remembered sort of when it happened, but uh, yeah been wanting one of these things and they don't pop up very often and they're usually that's, that's strange pretty... for you danny you usually don't pick up stuff after 1945 i know i know there's like a few things post 19 yeah 45 that i want a lot of it because it kind of ties in to previous designs mm -hmm. like pre-1945 design so then i stretch out a little bit like the hakeem i want because it's like a Jungman, it's like a pre, you know, pre nineteen forty five design. So I stretch, I stretch out a little bit for stuff like that. But yeah, anywho, that was the, that's my, that's my Although recent. I'm, I'm sure you wouldn't say no if you came across a cheap FN forty nine either. Oh yeah, no, no, I still <laughs> wanna, I have to have one of those. The one in seven, yeah. right? Venezuela. Oh yeah, Venezuela. Yeah, Venezuelan. I would, yeah, I would love the the most. But there's, you see Egyptian ones. I've seen a lot of Egyptian ones, and. uh like I passed on one that was like eight fifty or something at a, at a show. Man, I tell really you, recently. I, I would love to find um, a Brazilian Vergaro. The Brazilian Vergaro is in seven millimeter. If if we liked shooting the eight millimeter one, Danny, I guarantee you that seven one would be great. Mm. Yeah, I bet so. Or just the original Portuguese in six five. Yeah, I've never shot one of those like that, so I don't know. But I but I love seven. You know how much we love seven. So it is the best caliber. It is. It's God's own caliber. Mm -hmm. So, um, what should we go? What are you drinking tonight, Danny? Oh, this is the uh, the finest generic purple drink on the market. Um, so we're gonna go into. We want to go into Italian guns, Vetterlees, or do we want to talk about pattern collecting first? Because we can kind of swing let's, it either let's way. Do the Italian guns first. Okay. Uh, we've talked about pattern collecting with, with besides me before. Yeah. So frantic, we're gonna kinda let you let you take it away here with uh with Vetterlees because uh I know hardly nothing. Like I know the Swiss got it in eighteen sixty nine, right? And then the yeah. Italians got it like a year later. And uh I've always been sort of flabbergasted. I know Athias talked about this and in, in, in the in the video, like why did the 
the Swiss were like, cool, we want a nice 12-round magazine. We want an assaulty sort of gat here. And then, uh, and then Italy's like, no thanks, just one, one bullet's fine. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's like the same attitude that you know, a lot of the other countries had at the time of just, you know, they'll waste all their ammo, too expensive. Because Italy, Italy was only like fully unified like in 1870. They had been working on the unification for like decades before that. They were poor. They did not have the money to do the nice Swiss veterans. So I think that's one of the big reasons that they wound up taking the uh, single shot pattern of it. But yeah, they adopted the Swiss veterans as a single shot rifle in 1870. And then they used that through 87. And then that became the 7087, the Vitali uh, conversion. And they started using smokeless powder in the 10.4s in 1890. Uh, they adopted the 1890 uh, ballastite round. Um, and then in 1915, they started converting uh, about 400,000 of them to 6.5 Carcano and relined the barrels. And uh, those are fun guns. They're fun guns to shoot. They blow them up. Um, they all blow up. They all blow up. If, if you even... If you if you put like one of these anywhere near it, it just blows up. It sends sends you link to a CN Arsenal explodey bitterly video. Yeah, I I've gotten in the habit of now. So I, I get entertainment out of it when I post a picture of one of them. I I make the title just something really. I make it look like I just some guy that has just one of them. Uh, because somebody will always immediately link me to the CN Arsenal video and tell me not to shoot it. I had people say like. You're gambling with your life. Um, you're, you know, you're going to die. That's going to explode. And it's, uh, it's funny. Oh, yeah. I get yeah. a kick out of it. Yeah, you got to, you got to get those guys now. You're always um, gambling with Milserps. I don't understand what everybody's like. Oh, you're gambling. Everybody's gambling. <laughs> you don't know what's, what that rifle's been through before you yeah. got it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you, you technically don't know. If that one bullet that you're putting in the gun had all the powder taken out and replaced with C4, you don't know. Could have been a sabotage round, like the like the like the Walking Dead, that one episode. I don't think I don't get all, all, all the guns. All the guns blew up in this one episode. Wow. Guy sabotaged them. I, like I feel like it's been forever since that show came out. Yeah, that's a that's a poor reference there on my part. Um, no, it's just that we don't watch crap TV. <laughs> I feel that way every time I hand someone the Snyder because it's black powder reloads in a cartridge case. And if you like, you're not supposed to have air gaps. So I load it. I give it to him like, please don't explode. Please don't explode. Please don't explode. <laughs> it goes off and I'm like, hey, you're still alive. Yeah. The Snyder's are cool. I'd love to have a Snyder at some point. It's a lot more fun than it looks. And it looks fun. Trust me. <laughs> I, I go for a Wern, a Verndel. Those are those Yeah, are those cool. are cool. I have one. I'm so frantic. How much how much money do you think the Italians actually saved omitting the magazine from the Vetterly at the beginning? I have well, I have no idea, but um, I mean it's probably significant enough, right? Okay. If they're gonna make a couple million a million of them. This is this is a yeah. this is a logistics issue, and this comes up a lot where I work, which is well, they could just drill an extra bolt hole here and it would work better. That's true. But that hole costs money. So if it was a dollar and they made two million rifles, they saved two million dollars. That's a lot of money, right? So yeah. you yeah. have to look at it logistically that way. Like 
Yeah. Okay, yeah. Sun, okay, five bucks scale. a gun. Yeah, scale. scale. Yeah. yeah, so... But then they had to go back later and add a magazine a, to it. That's a problem for future Italy, all right? Current yeah, Italy's yeah, right. Future Italy can figure that out, all right? Yeah. Look how much money I saved all you people. Don't well, you... Then, Vote me in again. It isn't just what he's talking about either. You don't have to produce as many rounds because you don't need to have 12 shots in every rifle and extra ammo on top of that. You only need to have the standard amount for a single shot rifle, whatever they ended up converting that to be. But So it does make more sense logistically in scale too with ammunition production, which I'm assuming they don't have much of at the time period. Yeah, yeah. You're saying like, that's a that's a big deal. Italian unification was 1870. You said. I think that was like the like the end date, more or less. I'm not I'm not 100 percent up with that history, but I know they've been. It, it was a process that spanned like decades. Um, but I think it was around 1870 was when it was completed. That's when like the Bersaglieri marched into Rome or something. That's what a lot of people don't remember or don't realize, especially in, in American uh, history, is that Italy was like 50 different principalities, countries, whatever's. Yeah. Yeah. It was just a bunch of different states. Yeah. They, they, they all didn't <laughs> like each other. They all they all still kind of don't really. <laughs> it's kind of interesting. Because people, like, the uh, United States is kind of a young nation, right? We know we haven't been, oh, like, only the 1700s, but Europe's been there forever. But, like, actually, the United States is, like, quite a bit older than a lot of European countries. Like, we're older than Germany, we're older than Italy, because those didn't exist, you know, unified, but when the United States, um, you know, became a country, so. I actually heard a, a great thing on that, which is, in America, we think 200 years is a long time, but in Britain, 200 miles is a long way. Yeah, Britain. Yeah, that's one of those countries that's like it was a British thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, yeah, I did. I did forget about Germany too. They have the what's eighteen seventy one. What's the stupid? The Holy Roman Empire. That's right. HRE. Yeah. Oh yeah, that was that was the uh, was that the first Reich or is that the second Reich? The the empire holy that, was, that empire. wasn't holy. It wasn't Roman, and it wasn't an empire. <laughs> Yeah, that's some pretty interesting history. The first Reich, and I'm going to get told I'm wrong. The first Reich, I think, was Barbarossa. So Barbarossa had the Reich, I think it was in the 1400s. Again, people with the internet are going to be like, you're wrong, idiot. I'm remembering. You got to be wrong. You got to be wrong about something. I'm be wrong about something. I'm be wrong about this. <laughs> I'm pretty sure Barbar- that Barbarossa was the first Reich, and it was in like the 1400s. I, think, I don't know why 1452 sticks in my head, but it's probably wrong. Oh, it was the <clears throat> Holy Roman Empire. Yeah, the, was according, it maybe was, according to according to what Hitler defined uh, the Reichs as, uh, let's let's just put it that way. So that's why he said his was the third. So you have the Holy Roman Empire as the first, and the second was the Imperial German Empire from 1871 to 1918. So his was going to be the third empire for Germany. It's not like a great track record. I probably wouldn't even count that second one. That's just like 40 years. That's like a low expectation. That I mean, like, it's like 400 years, really 40 years, 13 me. years. I don't know if you know that. <laughs> Spoilers, man. I haven't, I haven't watched, uh, you know, watched, uh, 
crap, what's there's that show a, that just came out? It was a great Norm MacDonald joke. It was like, the more I hear about this Hitler guy, the more I just don't like him. Yeah, no, he would say, uh, I know what you're talking about. He would, he would, he would say it, to, you know, you talk about him. Yeah. You know that, uh, the more I hear about this Hitler guy, the more I think he's just a, just a real jerk. I love, I love Norm, man. Yeah. R.I.P. in peace. <laughs> I'm sorry, I can't. R.I.P. in peace. Not, I can't not j- laugh when people say that nowadays. Right. Anyway. Yeah. So. Uh, anyway, back so, to so, fr- so frantic. I know. I know. This is like uh, hindsight, twenty twenty. There was reasons, but do you think it would have been cheaper for them originally to have gone with the Swiss Tube magazine versus retrofitting them all to that later magazine design? Maybe, but. I will say the I think the the Vitali magazine is is going to be superior to the Swiss tube because you, you know the packet you got twelve rounds if you got to reload one at a time through twelve of them that's pretty slow the the charger clips for the uh, for the Vetterling these these work really well um, you wouldn't think because it's just a piece of wood with a little tin strips on it these are really fast you that, you can you can just in and out is that rounds. yeah these are these are made by uh av ballistics out of australia cool and i've i tried making my own from hand this one actually That's works neat. it's just it's just hideous but That's um, neat you have a 3d yeah. printer it is no, no, not just, a 3d no, printer just, danny no it's just <laughs> shows, made it by hand he shows yeah. it again it's just it's, it's cut out by 10 snips i know I know. I'm asking if you have one because you could you could work on one. I've thought about 3D printing them, but you know, trying to get the 3D printing for you know like that thickness of of. Oh tin. yeah, yeah. Because this has to have this has to bend a little bit, so I'm not sure. But um, Plus yeah, the- I would I would say that um, in the in the big picture, the the Vitali magazine is probably better choice than a tube magazine because you, you really to, can reload it quicker. It doesn't have to have that lifter in it too. Yeah. It's less Cause the lifters a bitch. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I it's, mean, we, we, we've it's already seen the disadvantages of a tube magazine with the French too in history. So, I mean, it's, it's, uh, I would say it was like weirdly beneficial to Austria or Austria. Well, I'm stuck in Austria. Weirdly beneficial to Italy to not have the money for the tube magazine because they didn't get stuck with a technology that was quickly outdated and surpassed. Yeah. And then they oh, were yeah. able well, to, to update to a, a modernish magazine, essentially. It was four shots, right? Yeah, four. You can, and you can do four, uh, close the um, bolt magazine cutoff, oh. and then single oh, load it. It had a, it had a cutoff, too? Yeah. So what they did is they took the the single shot has a dust cover that rotates and and covers the ejection port. Um, And when they they added the Vitali magazine, they cut off like the front part of that uh, dust cover and they retained the back part of it to act as a uh, magazine cutoff. Oh, so if you take apart a a single shot one, the the dust cover will slide off the front if you take the front side off or the rear side off. Um, And it's it's goes all the way around the receiver um, and they just started cutting that back um, and then when they did the 6.5 Carcano conversions they cut it back even more and the only thing it does is it holds the little um, little it's called the Quoin 
I think is the right term for it. The little piece that holds the bolt in place. Hmm. Hmm. That's interesting. You know, you said, uh, you said Aaron, that the tube magazine was kind of quickly, uh, quickly outdone, but for the French it was, but I just kind of did the math and I think tube magazines kind of was relevant for about 20 years. Because it was in the the Vetterly in 1866, and then up into the Lavelle in 1886. So, not uh, well, not not 66, 69, 67, 67. I want to. I okay. there's there's like there's like one photo. The original Vetterly was hammer fired. Mm-hmm. Look up 1867 Vetterly. It's really cool looking. Yep, it's got a real funky bolt, uh, different from the one that you're used to seeing, and it's got a big hammer on the back. It's really cool. Yeah, Vetterlies are neat. Like mechanically, I think they're super interesting. Um, I've always really liked the Swiss. I have I have one Swiss Vetterly that's like right right over there. Um, it's 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 got you know the the lifter for the for the tube magazine, which I just thought was you know working the bolt on it and seeing this lifter thing work, I thought was really neat. Just sort of playing with it. Um, so they're the action is kind of interesting, and and I know kind of uh, Othias says this is that it's almost. I'm trying not to use any cliches like groundbreaking, but it had front locking lugs, correct? Rear. 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 But wait, symmetrical? What was the... Yeah, symmetrical. Symmetrical locking lugs. That's the dealio with the Vetterly. Yeah, I mean, compared to... Black powder. Yeah, part of it, yeah, being at the rear kept the uh, lugs away from black powder fouling. But, uh, you know, compare that to the other... Early 1870s single shot rifles, the Mauser 71, the Gra, they all just had the bolt handle locking against the receiver. Right? Yeah, yeah. Just a so, single. So the the original design is actually really, really good. Probably have... Go ahead. one of the best. I have this weird veterly that I bought off of Danny. It's a it looks like a cut down, but it's it's like miniaturized. And I think it's police. Uh, it's Swiss in... one? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Forgot about that. Yeah, it's just shorter. It looks like an 1871. It's smaller. And it has the uh, the cover for the feed. I can't think of the name. Yeah, yeah. You don't see those a lot with the little cover for the uh-huh. um, loading, loading port. Loading port. Thank loading, you. Loading, loading gate. gate. Yeah, loading gate. Yeah. 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 There's just a hole. Um, but it actually has the cover for that. And I, I, you know, I Googled it. And I don't know what it is. And it's in my safe. <laughs> it's a little Hunt Showdown version. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's police. It said it was police. I don't know, or most likely is police, but it's it's neat. Yeah, it's 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 definitely not like a Bubba cut down or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like it's 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 nice. It was made and, that uh, way. Yeah, but it's it's a odd pattern. I couldn't find it in any, any like like Vetterly books or Swiss like rifle books. I couldn't find that exact pattern. And I asked some people, and like they had various opinions, but yeah. It's kind of one of those interesting ones. It does make sense that it would be like a a small police contract or something. Yeah, I don't know that. I'm not claiming I know what it is. That's what Google said when I looked when I, before I bought it because I didn't know what it was, and I kind of figured out if I can't figure it out, it might be uncommon. Rolling the dice. Swiss ones yeah. are still cheap. You can still get those for a good price too, which is nice because they're they're neat rifles. Yeah, yeah and I, I, Cody, I know, I know you're like the Italian Vetterly guy, but I just I'm going to keep talking about Swiss Vetterlies. No, I, I, I'm going to get at some point. I'm going to buy one. I, I need to have like an 1869 version because I think that would be appropriate to have since it's 
what the Italians would have adopted. So. Yeah, yeah, you, you, yeah. Nice. You got to get one of those. Um, but they're so they're so neat. I did this video talking about the Swiss the Swiss betterly and uh, sort of throwing out the idea that it was kind of a quasi assault rifle, sort of for the day. Oh, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. You had so many different opinions on that video. Oof. Yeah, yeah. With the original, I forgot what the original title was, but I was trying to be a little more clickbaity with the title, and I got a lot of mean comments with that one. Like, you're an idiot to think that the Vetterly's an assault rifle or whatever. So I was like, ah, let me change this to assault rifle question mark or something like that. Because I was like, well, what, you know, what meets the definition of it? I thought the Swiss Vetterly cartridge was like pretty um, intermediate ish because it's not. It's not like, you know, 43 Spanish or 43 miles or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, it's kind of uh, lighter recoiling, lighter muzzle energy. Um, so it kind of felt like, and it's shorter too. Like, overall, it's, it's, it's shorter. So it felt intermediate-ish to me. And then 12 rounds in a magazine, like the most of any gun. And it was one of the first, I think, the first bolt action. I think bolt it might action. have been... Rip. Peter. Bolt action repeater. Yeah, something like that. I mean, you would have had bolt actions before, right? Like technically, like needle yeah. fires. Yeah, yeah needle guns are bolt action. So yeah, yeah I think it, I think it was the first bolt action repeater. So to me, it seemed like it might sort of fit that definition, but I know that's like a modern weird definition to throw on such an old gun. But it's kind of it's sort of my thoughts with it. The Italians. How does the cartridge like compare to? like the 71 miles or so the original load for the uh italian one was uh, about a 300 and i think 13 grain bullet over 62 grains of horse black powder is what it seen it as i mean it's a it's like a decent cartridge you know it's um it's probably about on par maybe a little bit weaker compared to some of the other it uh, sounds a little smaller cartridges yeah, yeah. Order, it's, it's 10.4 by 47. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, but I wouldn't want to get shot with it. So it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So a little smaller, but I mean, who can cares, you, right? Can you see it going down range? No. <laughs> In the right light, you can see 45 ACP. Yeah. That was my first thoughts. Mm-hmm. 45. What's interesting, though, is the, uh, the, a smokeless powder version of the 10.4 round that they adopted in 1890. That was uh, like a 240 grain bullet. And they got that velocity up to like 2000 feet per second with it. And oh. um, they, they, there was, um, there's a picture in the, the Italian veterinary book of a, um, there's like a diagram of like the wound cavity testing for that. Uh, apparently those rounds were, they would mess you up pretty bad. That's a pretty so, heavy bullet. Yeah, for it to yeah. be going that fast. Yeah, that's pretty good. I'm surprised the veteran can handle that. Honestly, that seems like a, a lot of pressure. Yeah, so that so that's when you get into the the whole thing about like what can the what can it handle? You know, because w- when people talk about the six five ones, they say you know it can't handle it. It can't handle it. It's, you know, the original rifle, every gun's designed um, in its original configuration with the original ammo it was designed for. It, it's designed to run basically forever. Like it'll out last whoever's shooting it right that's generally how militaries made guns and they they tested them right um you take a gun and then you 
modify it once and you mill out a bunch of uh, material in the receiver to add a magazine. Um, and then a couple years later, you upgrade the, uh, the uh, cartridge to have smokeless powder, increase your pressure even more. Um, and then like 30 years later, you mill out even more uh, material from the receiver because they needed to uh, extend it even more for six five Carcano. And then you rechamber it again. So you've got two separate times you're taking material out of it and two separate times you're increasing the pressure. Like any gun that you do that to is not going to last forever. And I think that's, that's basically my opinion on them. Um, is that by the time you get to the 6.5 Carcano one, there's like a finite lifespan on them. They're, they're not going to last forever. The thing is, you just don't know, like nobody knows they, they must have tested them, right? Like they, they didn't just come up with a conversion to 6.5 and go, oh, let's make 400,000 of them. They must have tested it first to see, like, is this worth doing, right? Um, and it must have been. See, that's what I didn't realize it was 400,000. Yeah. That, that to me is like, oh, we did test this. This this was absolutely like a good idea because because I know from my my experience from World War One of of M95s, the Austrians tried to to see if they could convert uh, captured M91s to eight by fifty R, and they said it, they thought they realized it was too much of a hassle, so they just said fuck it, and they just shot. Uh, eight by eight, uh, eight by fifty six R out of the M ninety fives and vice versa. They just didn't bother with it, but they did try. But it was deemed too expensive and not much of it of worth it. But if they're doing four hundred thousand units, it was tested and approved. Yeah, and it, and if you think about it too, like they, they still had ten point four ammo because they still issued those too. There's pictures of Italian soldiers in World War One with the eight uh, eighteen seventy eighty sevens. In 10.4, so they still had ammo, which means when they converted them to 6.5 Carcano and tested them, they must have held up enough um, to exceed the amount of cartridges they had uh, of 10.4. Like if they tested it and found like, oh, this thing will make it for like 50 rounds, then there would be no reason to do that if they had enough ammo on hand to give each guy 100 rounds of 10.4. Would have been a waste of time. So they must have tested it and found out that it was worth doing. The problem is like nobody knows what that number is. It could be like five hundred. It could be two thousand rounds. Um, you're not you're not going to kill your own guys too. That's the thing. That, yeah, it's the same yeah, with yeah, the, exactly. the last ditch Jap guns, right? Like you're not going to kill your own guys. <laughs> like I like got so yeah. many dudes. Like I don't. I never. Yeah, understood and the thing that. with that, the thing with that is like, yeah, you're you're not going to give something that's like that dangerous and issue that out. So. Um, you just you don't know what the the lifespan of it was based on their testing and then you don't know how much it's been shot by the time you get it now i mean they're like 130 140 up to 150 years old right you, you got no idea um, so you might have one that's like not been shot at all and it's like in perfect condition um and you might have one that that got beat to crap in World War One, and then sent to Ethiopia uh, in, the, in the colonies and got shot even more. And now you get it, and it's like in really bad shape. And yeah, that one can, you can have failure risk there. So Something else on those, did you ever slug the bore on one of them? No. 
I, I, I haven't. The reason I bring that up is because it's something I learned a long time ago from a guy who doesn't do YouTube anymore. It was Gunnut357 Mag, and he was cool. I liked him. He taught me a lot about reloading. And he had a problem, and I'm remembering from then, so hear me out. He had a problem with one of his Carcanos, and he slugged the bore, and the bore was smaller. So How, how small? Because uh, normally was, Carcano is like 267, 268, somewhere. And it was undersized. It was like 262. Ooh. That's a lot. Yeah, 5,000 a lot. On a smokeless gun, 5,000 a lot. So like that was the problem and it was the rifle was supposed to be set up for i don't remember exactly what it was it doesn't matter the point being is if they had a difference of five thou in a barrel that's a problem oh yeah definitely was something i always wondered was well what's the bore slug at you know just because if you're gonna if if and if there is a variance and you're gonna hand load for something like that and you you think it's gonna be a problem what's your barrel at because if you're gonna if you're gonna put the if you if you think it's gonna explode, you should know all the things before you do it, right? Yeah. No, I, I do need to slug some of mine, but I, I just haven't gotten to do that I yet. Was curious, a, you know. Is it a rebarrel or is it a sleeve? It's They're a sleeve. sleeve. It's a sleeve, and everybody that everybody that doesn't know much about them will say that they um they soldered they soldered them in there, and if you shoot it and it gets hot, the solder will melt and it'll fall out, and it's just none of that's true. Um, for everyone on the east coast that's saw and it's like even it's even they even talked about it in the scene arsenal video so like people didn't pay attention to that part they 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 um bored out the original barrel uh with steps in it mm-hmm. uh, and then they stuck in a liner um and then what they do is they push steel rods through that um and that stretches it out from the inside out and it press fits it into the barrel um, and then they re-rifle that that and that's how you get to six five. I think a lot. And they did that to they did that to Vickers guns too. Mm-hmm. That was an approved technique for for uh, Vickers machine guns. So when people say, "Oh, you, you, those are so dangerous because they're lined," it's like no, it's that that liner has nothing to do with it. If you can do that to a Vickers machine gun, it's fine. The, I think they did to broom handles too. You have uh, issues with the uh, Chilean 1895s with that, which was a terrible conversion, which has been proven. Uh, but that's also a, a, a really stupidly done conversion. And who did it? I think I was lis- I was reading something about that or listening to something because it's not the same way. What was? How did they do that? So they over they overboard. They reamed out the chamber. And they didn't they didn't put a new barrel and they just reamed out the chamber and put a sleeve in the chamber and actually that is soldered in um oh okay and and so there's a there's a gentleman that we have in our mauser group on facebook who has his own site and he had a barreled action of one of these uh this is a chilean 1895 rifle that's been converted to 762 by 51 nato um, and he uh, had a water jet cutter, and he cut it in half. And you can see on his site, you can see the picture of uh, the sleeve, and um, the solder is missing around it. It's essentially right where the end of the cartridge would be. So it the 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 ignition would be would be pushing on that solder every time you fire. And um, there's the chance that the sleeve just popping out essentially um 
So it's it's not a good conversion. And that's not the same thing though. So uh probably getting lumped in together yep. with people yeah. that don't understand. Yeah. Well I've never two... heard of any of them exploding, but um I know that some people have noted on like gun boards <laughs> and stuff, like what's this weird marks on my brass because the 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 joint is increasing in gap. So it's marking up the brass. And so they're like, what's going on? And then when, when that started happening, the guy that I'm talking about, he that's when he decided he had this barreled action. Let's just cut it open and see what happens. And that's when they discovered this was really stupidly done. Well, that's the difference between a repair done in the teens and the repair done in the 50s. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Cody, when when the Italians issued these Vetterlees in 6.5, I'm, I'm assuming they just issued it with standard issue pressure six five right they didn't yes, issue it with lighter loads no no i don't think so because that uh, just seems like it'd be a whole logistics ammo, Danny. but yeah they 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 you know they were like rear line stuff i mean they still got used they just they weren't sticking them on the very front lines uh, sticking them as everyone that's as far back um that can take that and put the carcanos to the front line uh, that's what they did because it seems like it, it seems almost like we have contradictory information because you have 400,000 of them done. So obviously it was a well thought out, tested thing and, and good enough, right? And like Jared says, you're not going to issue something that would explode the first time your troop shot it. Issued with full powered loads. And now fast forward to today, if you people just say like it's going to blow up instantly the first time, and you do have, uh, you know, Othias's video showing they're showing two of them um, exploding. But um, oh yeah, we should get into what why Cody, why do you why do you think maybe that Othias? And I, I know this is just sort of speculation. We don't actually know. We should maybe talk to talk to CN Arsenal or whoever does their reloading, maybe. But I want to know your opinion on that, Cody. So on the on the CN Arsenal video, and there's yeah yeah. So you yeah, you, so, you, you so can vent a little bit. You can vent a little bit to all I'm the not people. Gonna, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna <laughs> vent too much in case Othias watches this and thinks I'm dissing him. Uh, no, I mean, I do, more I do the, love seeing Arsenal, but more um, the people that post it send it to you yeah. every single time. Yeah. So you know, I don't know. They they did have they had two rifles fail, um, and one of them, one of them was cracks in the locking lugs, kind of like this. Um, actually, here's some cracked locking lugs. Um, you can see right oh, there yeah. next to that. And then yep. there's a second one right here. Got this on one of my rifles, actually a 10.4 millimeter one. Not sure what it was up with this one. Um, but they had one of them crack lugs, and I don't remember what happened to the second one. I don't know if that was like a full. Did the second one? Oh, yeah, yeah. The second one vented gas down into the stock and yep, blew it out. Blew the stock out the sides. Um, so the thing with that is, like, I, I really don't know the loads they were using um, for that. Uh, they they said the first one was 85%, the second one was 70%. I don't know what bullet they were using, if they were using a 268 or 264. Um, yeah. I've, I've heard somebody say that they used 268s, but I, you know, I can't confirm that's, that. So I don't that's really why know. I asked about slugging the barrel, too. Yeah, because if they were using 268s and it was like a 262 bore... That I've never... Like... I, I, I don't know. I've never heard about a the the two six two thing is interesting, but I don't think I've ever seen. This is I, my memory from a long time ago. 
There's been a lot of Slade soldiers laying here on the I'll counter. Have to go, I'll, right? have to go, I'll have to go look at it. That, that That's, sounds interesting. That guy used to post things. He was cool as shit, and he doesn't anymore, and he deleted all his videos, but he taught me how to reload a bunch of stuff. I wrote a bunch of stuff down. But there was he had a special stamp on his gun, and it was like two crossed rifles. It wasn't like a, like a Mosin thing. It was two crossed rifles and something else in the stamp, and it meant... Yeah, that's a little accuracy. accuracy. Yes, that. That's and the accuracy that, mark. That rifle had a smaller bore. Okay, the, the, the accuracy mark thing also drives me nuts because everybody sees that and they go, oh, that's a sniper's rifle. That was for the best marksman in the squad. It's like, no. They, they took random rifles out of the production line. They tested them, and if they passed, they got the stamp. That was it. That's it. Yeah. But like everybody nowadays is like, oh, this is a this is like a marksman's rifle. This was a more accurate than all the others. Yeah. Oh, the fuck it's, a random spot it's, a yeah, it's a random spot check. It's literally yeah. just a random spot check. I was just going to ask what the today. point of it is. Yeah, yeah it's just yeah. a spot check. We do the but, we do those uh, in our manufacturing and our facility. Like, yeah, just like the most odd version of uh, like QC ever. <laughs> no, you just yeah. you, you do it. Mean, I'm pretty sure everyone did yeah, that. I don't think that was just Italians. It's a manufacturing thing. You, but it's like marked, like yeah. this one's fine. No, 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 no. What it what it's saying is is that what it's saying is okay is the the serial number from that one to the one before it is the same. They're they're both good. So anything yeah. in that line is good. So what happens is if you get one that's bad, then you have to go back and go. Okay, the serials from this previously to this one what do we need to, we need to go back and look so that's a that's a way of checking it and way of stopping it from being where you run thousands and thousands and thousands of guns versus running like a couple hundred maybe like only a hundred i don't know what their checkpoints were all right yeah yeah i'm smelling so what you're stepping in that's how yeah. they, that's how they limit the amount of mistakes yeah so again the guy who knew what he was doing like he at least he appeared to know what he was doing because i use a lot of his methods to understand how to do what i do um his rifle was smaller i have to, I have to dig into that because that's that's really interesting i feel like i've got a rabbit hole yeah you yeah. should i think you should you should bore all of your six fives and see <laughs> and then you need to go back to rti and just start start, start doing it. Barrels. Go, yeah, yeah slugging barrels at RTI. Show up with yeah, a, yeah. a bucket of wet lane. Wet. I just get get a huge like amount of data on the on these bores because I feel like if you if you really did that and and they let you like slug them, you know, and you had like a list of like a hundred and like you know you could really see how it varies or whatever. Um, I feel like that's a really good you know data point for for what it would actually be. That'd be fun. That'd be a lot of work. Yeah, you know. Okay. I don't think um, I. I don't think I have felt more physical pain than uh, the end of the time when I was at RTI. Um, when I left after um, the, I think I I messed with like a hundred something, hundred something Federalies. They were up high. I had to go on a ladder one at a time, reach up, pull them off the pallet, bring it back down, record all the serial numbers, put it in a stack. And I did that for hours, and then I had to go put them all back. And by the time I got done with that, I was, like, broken. That's a lot of work. <laughs> yeah. You know, I was going to ask, like, just for people out there who maybe don't know or whatever, like, what was your, 
tell us your RTI story and how they just sort of how how you came to be able to do that. And Cody, kind of what Cody you actually went to RTI, which is not something. Long yeah, long. so I I started recording serial numbers and, and keeping a database of the the federally. I kept like the um, the date, the serial number, the pattern, the manufacturer, um, and then any sort of oddball information on on them. Um, and I just shot Uli an email and said, hi, I'm doing this. Can I come to RTI and look at your veterans? And he said, yes. And I went and did it. I mean, it was, yeah, that was pretty much what, it. I, I, that's really cool that he let you do that. He's really cool. He, he's a really cool guy. Um, um, so I showed up and, and he handed me a pair of gloves and, and let me, um, let me write serial numbers. It was cool. Um, yeah, I think the most, I think most sellers or whatever would not let you do that, man. They just would too. Yeah. Like, uh, that's, that's, that's super cool. I feel like RTI, everybody's kind of got their opinions on them. And, uh, like I was just, just in the comments of, uh, our last podcast, I was reading like two guys kind of going back and forth where what, you know, one guy had his opinion one way and then one, the other, um, so it's kind of neat to hear from somebody who's actually been there and, and talk, you know, talk to them and everything. So, yeah, they're all, they're all really cool. It was neat. They, they, however, they thought it was interesting that, you know, the guys in the warehouse watching me do that, they, they were, they were asking like, what, why are you doing this? And I, I, I told them because it's, because I want to, I don't know. That's <laughs> I didn't a really labor have an of love. Yeah. yeah that's I, a labor of love. Yeah. Did you tell them you're one of those psychotic pattern collectors? That, yeah. uh, what was, what was it, Aaron? Pattern collectors are. Oh, psychopaths. That's why I say psychopaths. Psychos. Yeah. 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 You definitely become a psycho when you're like that focused on one thing. But, Which is um, cool. I think, I think it's cool, Cody, that you like something that's so like odd. Yeah. It's, and, how, uh, I, it's pretty, how I wind up doing, doing this. <laughs> you don't do this unless you wind up being real into something. Yeah. It's, it's but, neat though, man. Cause like, that you're not just another Mauser or Mosin guy or whatever, because that's pretty underrepresented and probably in the in the collector community. I, uh, there's probably like there's probably like one other person in the whole country that that bothers collecting these. So yeah. I know a couple yes. people in I know like one somebody in Australia that collects them. A couple people in Italy. Yeah, be the guy that I don't think anyone Dutch cares about them over here. <laughs> The vet, meet up the, with the guy that collects Dutch Beaumonts. <laughs> those are cool, yeah. those are cool rifles. I know. I want a Beaumont. But who? But who? Do you know a pattern collector of Dutch Beaumonts? There's like four. I think there's. Yeah. How many patterns are there? Like there's, there's, there's legitimately for the Italians. There's like twelve or maybe more. I, I don't remember off the top of my head. There's a lot. Yeah. There's, there's there doesn't so have many, to be a lot of them Dutch, for somebody to collect Dutch them all. Monlickers. No, I don't know anybody that does pattern collecting for Dutch Monlickers. The Dutch Monlickers is nuts because there's like, what, 12 different carbines? Yeah. yeah something Not like that. Long rifles. Then you get yeah. the Colonials and then the uh, yeah. Indonesian kind of redos and yeah. The Beaumonts are badass. I'd love a Beaumont. They're cool. Man. So back to the um, back to the C and Arsenal thing, um, there. So yeah, I don't know. I don't know too much about the no, loads uh, it, exactly. It's like back what to what using. I was talking about. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I can. Go I want to know more. I want to know. Keep keep, keep go going. I want to know more. Yeah, yeah. Let's no so, keep going. You know, I don't know exactly what they were doing with it, but um, one of the things I mentioned is is you know I don't know 
exactly what the condition of the rifles were that they were using. And I'm not saying like they would have taken some rifle that was in bad headspace and all messed up and shot it. But there's some things that I look for uh, in mind before I shoot them that I don't know if everybody does. Uh, and like a good example is a bolt like this. And you might not see it, but the bolt face is cut off. You can see the line. Yeah, I can see it. They chopped the bolt face off and they I think it's brazed a, a new bolt face onto this one. Whereas the, the standard conversion just milled out the, the, the you know center here and it's still one piece. So personally I wouldn't shoot one that's got a raised bolt face. Okay, that's so, good to know. So now we I have, skipped that. So now we have a separate a separate factor here is is that not all of the conversions were done the same way. Oh, there's 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 um, there's different types of the conversions too. There's the ones that you see all the time, and then there's ones um, that you, you'll tell it has a much longer rail, uh, bolt support rail that that sticks out the back, and it's also got more material milled out of the receiver, and then it's got cartridge stops in it, which is stupid because they're in the Carcano clip; they don't need them. But um, I don't know what the deal is with those. There's not not a lot well, of them. So They're pretty so this, smaller number. So what this reminds me of is when so when Portugal did the um, their change for the six point five Regero to eight millimeter, they didn't do that in a single arsenal. They shopped that out to a bunch of different yeah. uh, gunsmiths, uh, local gunsmiths, and they don't all do the same thing. So they they were all supposed to drill a hole for the eight millimeter, and then they were all supposed to X out the 6.5 which is what the normal thing you see is they don't all do that though so i'm wondering if this is similar to this with italy is that they didn't have the space maybe to re-arsenal all of these so they just shopped this out and so they, they did there's all, a ton of them yeah. they didn't all do it the same way exactly and maybe this this uh reputation is from a specific person or group that did it a specific way like you're showing with that bolt is like oh yeah I, i'm not i'm not sure about that i know I mean, there's I'm a bunch of different workshops yeah. um but the, the, thing, the interesting thing with the bolt um is that the uh when you find ones where they've they've cut off the bolt face and brazed on a new one it's not always the same length uh somebody sent me a photo of one where it was like the length of the the bolt face was like half as long as this one it was like just a tiny little segment of bolt face that was brazed on the front i i think maybe it was like a headspace fix um i actually was sending some messages to um the guy that wrote the vetterly book about it um and he was not yet 100 percent certain what the deal was with those um, so he had thinks that maybe well. it's a headspace fix the the arsenals were fixing rifles too or they were making rifles rather yeah yeah. so you're not going to send your rifles that like well we can take carl off the the rifle line to do this or he can just keep making carcanos like yeah they were just going to like local workshops smaller places yeah you don't send it to your arsenal it's making like the the carcanos to do yeah you send it to like the the car shop down the road and yeah that kind of knows you know you know stuff like Shotgun that a little bit better but or something similar to that something like they they have an idea of how to do guns or metalworking but like yeah yeah cody i was gonna ask if you could sort of give some tips for people who might have a six five or maybe are looking at one 
Um, kind of like what you just said about the bolt face, just sort of uh, tips, I guess, to try to figure out if they will be able to shoot theirs. I'll be right yeah, back. Yeah. I got I to gotta run and grab something real quick. I'll be right back. Okay. Um, so, yeah, about that, um, I was going to actually show, it's probably a good time to show, example of one. So this, I bought this from RGI when they did the $199 sale. Um, here's one of the things that I look for uh, when I go to decide if I want to shoot one of these. Um, if you put this in the, close the bolt, and you put it in the fired condition, hold the trigger down, see how much wiggle you got on, on your uh, bolt. So I'm going to try and get this in front of the camera here. But, uh, oh, this can actually, see that bolt freely wiggling back and forth? Wow. Yeah. So in, in this rifle, um, if I hold the trigger down and, and you, you just, let's say you pause this as it's firing and you've got pressure in here, this bolt can move about three quarters of a millimeter back and forth. Yeah, it's kind of a big deal. So, and here's what I believe. When these rifles were first converted uh, to 6.5 Carcano, I, I believe that long-term shooting, uh, extended shooting with surplus or I guess standard issue 6.5 Carcano caused some stretching probably in the receiver back here. His lugs are all the way back here. And I think what happens is as this gap is starting to open up here and this bolt is allowed to move more freely, now what you have is, is now the bolts accelerating backwards freely before slamming into the lugs instead of being in constant contact with them. Um, that makes the problem worse, right? That's now you're not deal. just yeah. now you're not just putting extended pressure. Now you're hammering this receiver. So I think what happens is when this starts to happen after extended periods of shooting, you either get this where your your lugs crack. And I think if the lugs don't crack, if the lugs hold up, I think what happens is you get ones where it, it moves back enough. It's got enough wiggle room that it it can move it can pull a cartridge out and just move just enough that you lose your gas seal or you get unsupported brass and that's what causes it to blow out that's my personal belief i'm not an engineer i don't know that makes um, complete sense to me yeah looking but at when that. i look at one of these this is one the first thing i pull the trigger move this this one i wouldn't shoot personally um just because it's it's really rattly it's probably one of the worst um condition Actions show that show that to Jared. Hey, hey, Cody, Cody, show that yeah. to Jared. Yeah. I actually am an engineer. Uh -huh. watch, watch, watch this bolt handle when he does this. So, this is firing, yeah. right? So, yep. you got 40,000. Yeah, I wouldn't shoot that. No. So, now, the, uh, the opposite. You can take field gauges and actually stick it in between the receiver and the bolt base, or the, the bolt, and see what your gap is, like... Yeah. So the 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 alternative is you get one like this. Uh, this one is the one that I shoot all the time. This one is absolutely Tight. rock solid. It, yeah. it doesn't move. There's no movement. I personally, I would shoot PPU through this. Yeah. I would I would not feel uh, uncomfortable about sticking PPU ammo in this and shoot it. And some people do. And I think this gets back to the 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 thing. You you can't really make a blanket statement about these being safe or unsafe because it's really condition dependent um and if you think about it right if just hypothetically let's say it's 500 rounds is what these are good for you don't know how many how many shots they've, they've uh, had through them before um and every shot matters a lot more than uh, the same shot from a different rifle right like a mosin that's been shot 
15,000 times before you get it is going to be like exactly the same as one that's been shot 15,500 times in terms of mechanical condition. That's not the same for these because every shot has a much more significant um, impact on the overall condition. Um, so I think you really have to look at each rifle um, individually, check that action, make sure it's good. Um, a lot of the chambers are normally pretty rusty. I, I almost always have to like scrub the chambers really good because um, normally they're pretty tight to chamber around when I get them because they're just gunky. Um, that well, gap, person, yeah, that gap is kind of scary. Yeah, so, that's so I'm, an, that's an inertial hammer. It's just going to keep getting worse every time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely. And that's that's why it, you know it's really hard to you know you don't want to just say they're all safe or they're all unsafe. It's it's really you just need to you need to just look at them and, and actually know what you're dealing with. Um, but like I said, that rifle that's in good condition, I wouldn't be scared to put PPU in it. I just won't do it because I collect them and I want to shoot them forever. And I can't every shot of PPU I put through that has taken life out of it. Um, so I, that's why I still do light loads in all of them, no matter what, for the six fives. So uh, if you were going to be putting together like a list of, of things that people need to check if they're buying one or thinking about buying one. So obviously you want to check the lugs for any cracks or deformations or anything. And then second, you want to check the wiggle. Oh, what? Yeah, check the wiggle. The Action bolt. wiggle. Then, yeah. Yeah. And then another spot that I, I um, would check is the receiver portion that's right here under this ring. Um, I, I do have one that's cracked under this ring. Oh, and that so, ring kind of would would uh, cover it up, so you might not. Well, see you can it. see it from the front, but you don't know how bad it is until you move the ring out of the way and actually see that it's it's yeah. got a pretty significant crack here. So, um, and then the bolt. Yeah, personally, I just think it's yeah the bolt face thing. I, I mean, I don't. Again, going back to that, you're not going to give something to your guys that's going to blow up. If you're also doing light loads, then the bolt face thing probably isn't going to be the end of the world, but. I mean, if you have an option, pick one that has a solid bolt. Yeah, because those things are pretty cheap. I've run across quite a few 6.5 better lease, mm -hmm. and, yeah, uh, they're, like and they're usually, products. yeah, they're usually really inexpensive. And for like a first time, you know, you know, Milser buyer or something like that, or just on it, if you know, if you're on a budget, uh, that's pretty tempting, you know, for a gun with such a long, you know, history and it's been in service for so long and everything to spend. But yeah, definitely feel like. You have to check a lot of things on the better release before, which yeah. then raises the question, because I don't think Othaya said exactly all of those things and if any of those things were wrong with those guns. Yeah, and Othias didn't even say, as far as I remember, he didn't even say they're unsafe. He just said, if you're going to shoot one of these, be careful and know what you're doing and, and check it out, right? But people don't pay attention to that part. They just link to the video and say they're unsafe. Yeah, yeah. Look, watch. Um, and that drives me nuts because I've shot, I don't know how many, but well over 100 rounds out of that rifle. And I, I only get concerned sometimes that I'm doing too low of a charge and maybe not getting enough gas seal. Um, so if anything, I, I want to bump it up a little sometimes. Um, and I know some other people that shoot them that think that, yeah, a lot of that reputation is people baby them a lot more than they need to be. But, um, you shoot cast or, or copper jacket? Jacketed. Yeah, yeah, just jacketed. Hornady, 140 grain bullets. They work. 
you know, because I'm not, I'm not going out doing like 200 yard sniping with it. I'm just sitting on a 50 yard line, just having fun. It does just fine at that distance. Yeah, I was going to ask you, like, what what type of loading you you do for that? So I so when I first got one, like my very first one that I had was a six five Carcano one. And I, you know, wasn't loading smokeless powder or anything at the time. I just did black powder. I just took PPU and I pulled the bullets, filled it all the way up to the top with um, Pirate XRS. I just reseated the bullet on top and I shot it and they worked fine. Um, didn't have any squibs. Um, in fact, you probably got a little extra accuracy from fouling, tightening up the bore. And you're using the 264, maybe. But yeah. um, so... That works. That's a pain in the ass to clean black powder out of something that small, though. Um, wouldn't recommend it. Almost like there's a reason they didn't they didn't go yeah, that small yeah, yeah. with black powder. So, yeah. Um, I did that. Um, I did try. Some people done like 50% PPU. I did 60%. It worked, but I I, I, I settled with IMR 4198. That's the same stuff I use for the 10.4s. Um, That's what I use in the Mauser uh, 7184. Yeah, yeah. I, so um, for the 10.4 millimeters, I'm using around 22 to 24 grains of IMR4198, and it works well with that 240 grain cast bullet. Um, that's a pretty mild load. I'm not doing anything crazy with those. Do you um, put it in on top of it? Um, I have done, yeah, I've done like a little cotton ball and tear it up yep. and, and get it just kind of light and just Better, stuff it yeah. down there. Yeah, but I I've, that. I've, the the thing, the great like struggle of trying to learn reloading stuff is like no matter the more you search, the more conflicting answers you find. And like I spent hours reading about that and came up with like an equal list of people saying always use the filler and people saying never use the filler. I always use the filler just to keep the powder against the primer for nothing else than just more consistent ignition. Yeah. And it pisses off all the people at the range because you shower them in confetti. Yeah, yeah, no, that is pretty fun with the filler. (laughs) Oh, it's on fire, too. Surprise! (laughs) (laughs) It really does. Like, out there trying to shoot their hunting rifles, and it's like that or cream of wheat. It's just like... (laughs) Yeah, the cream of wheat's fun. I like that. (laughs) I love that. Man. What kind of gun is that? Oh, it shoots confetti? Yeah. And yeah, then for the six five, like, sorry, go ahead. I, I had someone who's like, at least my gun's on a party favor. I'm like, it's fun. <laughs> so for the uh, for the six fives, um, I've been doing, and this is this is what I personally do. This is not my saying. Go load this way and shoot it, and you're done. Um, what I've been doing is just twenty grains of IMR forty one ninety eight and the six five Carcano with the same hundred forty grain jacketed bullet. Really, really mild. I mean, it's like a little bit of recoil. It's like sh- nothing. Love it. That's a high bulk, low yield powder. It works really good in a lot of that stuff because it's it's big and bulky, so it fills the case up, so you get good ignition. Yeah, but yeah, it, you get pretty you get pretty good case fill with that with like twenty ish grains. Um, yeah. Like so, but it gives you that. So you get nice ignition, but it gives you that nice low pressure rise. So. Yeah. So. Um. I, I say I probably go shoot uh, veterans like every other week or something like that, at least once a month. I normally bring them out to the range and blast around with them. And the most fun part of that is people walk up and want to know what the heck they are. Pretty funny. Yeah. Somebody asked me if it was a Turkish rifle. I said no. 
That's a good guess, though. Like, I guess, yeah. You know, yeah. That's. I guess that's better than like, what type of Mosin's that? That's what I was or thinking. What type of Mauser? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I guess it's similar with. Is that one of those cracks? Every rifle, every bolt action rifle with a single stack magazine is a Mosin. Yeah, that's true. It's true. So Cody, your first your first Milserp was a, a Mosin, right? Yep. And then and I bubbled like, it. When... I bubbled it. Oh, you did. You don't have to talk about that if I, you don't want to. Yeah. No. 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 I, I I didn't do that bad. I just stained it. I sanded it and stained it. But I've oh. since gone back and tried to remove the finish as best I can. But yeah, everybody kind of makes it's fun gun to everybody. Shoot. Everybody kind of does something like that when they're starting out. They don't yeah. know any better. Because you're like you're like 18 now. You get a Mosin. It's like oh cool. Let me. What can I do to this? Right. In fact, I think I was like I I took apart like the trigger group and I was like filing something to give it like a a lighter trigger. <laughs> and now I can't ever sell it because if you just take it, you just whack the buttstock on the ground, it'll fire. So now oh, I've God, just geez. determined that I have to keep it forever because I can't. There's no way I can sell that. <laughs> but just get trigger parts for next to nothing. Yeah, I should probably do that. <laughs> yeah. So how did you go from your your Mosin into just deep diving into Vetterly's? Origin story time here. Yeah, I get, yeah. It's not like some big glorious um, story to it. Um, I just, I saw him in Battlefield One, and I just I knew because I knew enough about you know I've been into Milserp enough that I knew when I saw him in the game like as soon as I saw them listed. And it said like Vetterly 1870-87. I'm like, oh, that's like a first generation black powder rifle with some sort of update being used in World War One. That's cool. And I tried it out in the game and I'm like, oh, this is a really funky looking gun. And then I bought one and then I bought 11 more. And then it just went all all down that hill. Um, but uh, no, they're they're neat guns and they're they're definitely not appreciated because I think, yeah, they get that reputation because, um, you know, when they were imported and here in like the fifties, the forties, fifties, um, like the six, five Carcano ones, they were just advertised as like Italian sniper rifles and they would come with a hundred rounds of surplus ammo. They didn't say anything about it being an emergency conversion or so people would just buy them and shoot them with full power ammo. So yeah, they probably ran into the problems of beating them to crap until they finally gave up. And that's why now people are. Yeah, I was gonna wants say. Them, they're scared of them. They say, don't shoot them because, yeah, if you don't know what you're doing, you just go into a store, buy one and throw PPU in it without checking anything. Then, yeah, that's going to be a lot more dangerous than if you go into a store, PPU. grab a Mosin and we're stick. Talking back in the day, we're talking Italian surplus back in the day. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean now because now they've all been shot to crap after being imported 50, 60 years ago, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's yeah, so interesting. If you walk into a store today and do that, the chances of something going wrong if you just pick one up today out of a store and throw PPU in it is a lot higher than if you just walked into a store and grabbed a Mosin and stuck some surplus ammo in it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And that's so interesting too because, like, with that gun, like you said, it's. It's not like you're concerned about barrel life. You're concerned about like receiver life or like yeah, bolt I, life. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Because <clears throat> that does make a lot of sense. You can't cut away at the receiver and really expect it to, 
to keep that much rigidity or, or life to it with those rear locking lugs. And I don't not know. just cut away, Danny. Cut away and increase the pressure twice. You're doing it. Yeah. I, didn't, I didn't realize that there was a, a an intermediate step where they increased yeah. the the pressure. I thought they just went from 10.3 black powder to 6.5 Carcano. I didn't realize there was a spot in between where they were using smokeless 10.3. And and then, yeah. you, and then you go, oh yeah, here's a bolt that's from a 10.3 gun. That's that's the, 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 the lugs are broken. And I'm like, what? Those are supposed yeah, to be that, the safe ones. Yeah, that gun, um, that gun is a, a military police carbine, single shot chambered in the 10.4. Um, and it's got the smokeless powder sights updated, so I know it's been shot with that. Uh, I don't know if it was maybe that could have just been somebody that had it here and was trying to hand load and overdid it and cracked lugs because it's the original. Um, what's this one? It, I know this is the original um, bolt collar to that rifle because this is like just this is like getting into like nerd details here. But see how this is cut flat right here on this one? Yep. And this one is angled. Um, the original single shot, because you were just opening it up and then grabbing a cartridge and putting it in. Um, when they when they made them a magazine uh, repeater, they added a little angled piece on the receiver, and then they they uh, cut that at an angle to help you just run it quicker and just make it more reliable. Um, so this is the original one that was on that rifle, um, and I don't know what somebody did to it, but they messed it up. They shot the bejesus out of us. What they did? They really did, but the bore's like mirror shiny. It's like perfect. If you take care of it, it'll be all right. Yeah, I've got a lot of them that I that I you know I just won't shoot because they're just they're too good a shape and I don't want to mess with them. Um, though I did shoot my eighteen seventy, the the expensive one. Single I shot. I had to do it. I, I had to do it once. Yeah, the single shot. Because I've never seen any videos of them being fired ever. Because like no one has a one. Like the, the only ones that are out there are like floating around in Italy. That's how I got mine. I had to import it. Um, yeah. Could you import it through? Um. Well, they just shipped it. It's an antique. I, there was. I don't think there was an official import. Like oh, like it's a, it wasn't any problems coming th- from Italy. No, they shipped it. You know, it's crazy. So when you buy something, when you buy from Italy, it, it, there's like six weeks waiting for the paperwork to clear from the uh, Italian police. And they shipped it UPS. Um, it was from Italy to my my place in like five days. I mean, it zooms. Really? Yeah, wow. they, they fly it over and then it goes through customs. And I had to call UPS, the, the UPS office at the airport. And give them my social security number for them to clear it because that was because the value was like over 2500 bucks so they had to have a social security number to clear it um and they cleared it no no customs no duties straight to my house well i just bought a karkov parka from england we'll see how long it takes to get here good luck <laughs> yeah and yeah that's pretty neat i feel like it should be it should be that easy to get like a Mauser or something too. It should be pretty nuts. It's called a yeah. CNR. They show up at your door. No, I'm from another country is what I mean. <laughs> I don't know if the CNR helps you export it from. I doubt it. I don't think it really has anything to do with it whatsoever. I don't think it would either. Yeah. It, other than it would yeah, come to another, your door. another country's not going to care. Yeah, it would. It would just come to your door instead of going to the store. That's really the only difference. Yeah. 
Because huh. I know, because that's what Mike had to deal with, remember, Danny? Because he imp imported a bunch of stuff from South Africa. I think two yeah, guns. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Those were those were not antiques. Those were eighteen ninety mm -hmm. past or whatever. So I don't know. I don't know how that works with antiques. I guess it depends on the exporting country's laws, and then I guess with what he's just said for importing, as far as the United States is concerned, it's not a firearm. So it's it it would really just yeah. depend on the exporting country's requirements. I guess. I've wondered if there's like a burden of proof sort of thing where like you have to prove it's an antique and not like a I not a real firearm. The, I think that would be on the exporting country's requirements because they would have to prove to the United States that this Yeah, is, they they put a label on the box. Yeah. Cuz that has to that has to be part of their exporting like requirements I would say is that it can't leave or go to the United States unless it's XYZ or whatever. Yeah, when I got my when I got my Great. When they shipped it over here, like there's a big paper uh, tape to the front that that was you know certifying that it was antique. Um, the, the place I got it from only deals in antiques, so I think they, nice they had it all. They put the date on the bear or on the rifle anywhere. The dates, where. the dates are on the barrels on the Vetterlies, not even yeah. season. That's the nice thing. They dated them. Like a lot of countries dated their rifles instead of us where it's like yeah it's a remington when's it made yo you know world war ii-ish like where every other country in europe was like bam uh, this year uh, uh not austro-hungarian uh they didn't do yeah. that they didn't do that <laughs> yeah, i was just thinking of the were like bam date <laughs> yeah they, they, they didn't do that with austro-hungarian m95s just so you so you know just so you know I was going to say the the Swiss the Swiss didn't do it because I was just thinking about what antiques I have and I'm like oh my two Swiss antiques yeah Swiss didn't are yeah, the serial number datum yeah like, which is like again how do you prove that that's correct yeah. to whatever authority to, it's but that's what know. I'm saying you don't have to prove it the country exporting it has to prove it that's that's the that's the thing is that the United States doesn't give a shit about you as a individual uh, political commentary <laughs> spicy uh, no they, they only care about okay is what they're saying it is aka the country exporting the, the company exporting is that truly what it is and so that's what he's saying is that there was a paperwork certifying it so that if it isn't if it's found to be not true then they can go back after that country or that company uh, or that individual and 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 pursue them for essentially gun trafficking at that point. So like yeah, I'm sure there's all kinds of paperwork and shit they had to fill out, but it's not it's not the burden of proof isn't on you as the individual, it's on the seller. Hmm. Alrighty. I feel like I need to start looking at various countries for antiques now. I mean they're gonna be expensive, Danny. They're they're a lot what? less they're, I heard everything in Europe's cheap. They're a lot less uh regulated. That's just just like it is here. I mean, there there is not as not a not in not in all the countries in Europe, but uh, black powder is a lot less regulated than um, uh, smokeless powder stuff. It's just the way it is. I just know what's going to happen. He's going to go to Germany and he's going to call me from Germany. It's going to be like four a.m. He's be like, "Hey, man, I just bought this needle gun. Can you make ammo for me? What? How do you reload a pin fire round 
Yeah, like I, I just I know this like that's what's gonna happen. Like, hey man, uh, I bought a dwarf, and I bought this to- really cool needle gun. Can you make ammo? Actually, <laughs> I don't know. I, we'd have to ask Platts in France, but I know Germany and France like to do the proofing loads where you have if you sell it, you have to proof it. So. Yeah. I don't know if that's the same for export or if it's the same for black powder rifles. So, uh, yeah, I've seen some M95s where they've been through Germany. They stamp the shit out of those. Those are like 14 different proof marks, stamping marks, all kinds of armory marks and everything like that. They have to be marked. They have to be proofed. They have to be, have the, the proofing house on it. They have to have the, the, the caliber, they have to have when it was done, and it's like all these different stamps, and they just stamp all over the whole thing. So yeah, it. it but it's. I'm glad it's not just the U.S. that ruins them with import marks. Somebody, yeah, well, I mean, somebody else's. Yeah, that that's anytime. I I think in France. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not in France, obviously. But I, from talking to Plas, I think he said that anytime where it's a sale, it has to be confirmed by the gunsmith and it has to be proof shot by the gunsmith they don't restamp it every time but it has to be checked and confirmed as safe to shoot and if it's not then they have to be rendered inoperable yeah if you're if you still sell it that's what i mean if you don't sell it i think you can keep it to fix it but i don't you can't sell it if it's not safe to shoot essentially Yeah, that's a doozy. Hey, speaking of one thing though, on, on antiques that I just thought was interesting, um, I do notice that there are a lot of people get confused with the 6.5 Carcano Vetterlies about whether they're an antique or not because they're rechambered to 6.5 Carcano, which is a modern available round. So I've had a mix of like times where they, they want an FFL, and I had one make me do a background check for it, even though I said, like, dude, I've got like nine of these, there's no background check. They don't care. And then, yeah, they're, they're like, you're going to do one. I said, like, dude, look at the date. It says like 1886. He's like, well, yeah, but they rechambered it for 6.5 Carcano. I don't know. But I mean, as far as I know, they're, they're still an antique because it's, oh man, Little Tiger original, Imports is selling them as antiques. It's original manufacturer. Yeah. It's yeah. yeah. It's like I, I run into that a lot. One time it's, well, it's on our books. So if it's on our books, we got to do a 4473. And then, uh, and then there's just a uh, complete ignorance of antique laws and whatever. There's, it's a gun. I gotta check it. You know, there's complete and, uh, ignorance of CNR licenses. I don't know what yeah, that, that sounds good. I've never heard of that. I'll show you. I don't know what that is. I've never yeah. heard of. It. So, and I know one gun dealer. He knows about the antique, you know, exception or whatever, where it doesn't need to be. But he's a stout believer in everybody doing background checks. So he will do a background check. On on, on an antique, for it. just because just because he he thinks everybody should have to go through a background check. I had the Danny. You remember I had the guy argue with me about the eighteen ninety Mauser eighteen ninety one I bought that was made by uh, Louva. So Ludwig Louva. Yeah. Oh so yeah. Like, this country, this company does not exist after eighteen ninety five. There's no way it's not an antique. Oh no, it has to go to an FFL, and I'm like. Okay, I'm FFL three. I don't recognize that as a, an actual FFL. That's a fake FFL, and I'm like, fine. Yeah. So I sent it to a friend of okay, mine. And he, goes, 
do I put this on my books? Because he's an FFL regular, a, a regular FFL. A real one, you mean? A real one, sorry. A real, yeah. <laughs> he goes, do I put this on my books? And I said, I wouldn't. It was built in this company. You see this company on here, this this rail? That company doesn't exist after 1895. Yeah. There's, there's no way it's not an antique. And he goes, oh, okay. And I'm like, cool. Thanks. I was like, here's your 20 bucks for bothering you. <laughs> I never understand that. And I know it's up to the company. And I know it's up to the dude. Like, yeah. why? Yeah, I've done I've done transfers for, for antiques before. And it's just yeah. like... You're really going to make me... Okay, if this wasn't a good deal, I'd be pissed. But yeah. uh, whatever. Then, it's fine. Then... It's just you're ignorant to the law, and I have yeah. to pay you money. Well, and that's... that's that's what gets me. What the, who was the what was the name of the lawyer guy we had on here? Matt. Matt? Matt, yeah. So Matt Matt had the saying of um, don't, don't add more laws or something like that. Oh, don't add more burden. To yourself, like it's, you're, no, you're adding it's, more. It's like you're self. Oh, oh, oh. Like you're. Oh, yeah. You're, you're making the laws Shit. more intense than they actually are. Like you're making it more Shit. complicated. Yeah. Damn do. it. He had a, yeah, he he had had a good a saying, saying about that. that. I forgot I what it was. What it Dang it. Yeah. Something like. And, and the saying is, is totally true. Like you're making the system. Self regulation is the, like, that's the first part of it. And. Like, get educated. And, the, like, I have the one store that I go to all the time that I bought all the shit off of, and they always make me do a 4470. I'm like, I have a CNR license. They don't know what it is. They just, they refuse to learn what it is. And if it wasn't $3 to get a right, to get the whatever it is transferred over, I would bitch. But it's three bucks. Like, that's a pretty good price. Hey, that's a, a, a big double, you know? Yeah. Like three like, bucks now for a McDouble? It's like two fifty. Back in my day. Back in my day. And you had items yeah. on it that were a dollar. Yeah. I don't know. That's my own personal axe to grind. It's like if you don't know what it is, but it's got all the same shit that you have on yours, maybe you should educate yourself and figure out what the hell you're doing. But yeah. that would involve learning. You know, another one that I see with them not knowing what they're doing is uh, shipping ammo by USPS. I've had people, I buy ammo and it shows up by USPS. And then I, I go, like, why did you ship this by USPS? And they're like, like what? Yeah, they're like, huh, what, what about it? It's like, dude, if anything happened to this package, you'd be in jail. Like, if anyone found out, you're losing your license, you're going to jail, you're done. Yeah. And and I've seen sellers like on Gunbroker that like they they'll sell ammo and they'll have it listed. Well, we will ship USPS. I'll send them a question like, you know, you can't do that, right? No, no response. Yeah, it just it's ridiculous. It's, it's a mail bomb. You've yeah. made a mail yeah. bomb. It's, it's like, it's, what are you doing? <laughs> it's like shipping fuel samples air. You can't ship a fuel sample air. It has to be ground. You can't put fuel plane <laughs> i mean yeah. you can they just you can know about it yeah like if it leaks you're going to jail <laughs> like, i have shipped guns via ups and we have a distribution center here and i've had to take it there and every single time i've done it three times every single time 
they've had to go on and get the manager because they're like, mm. you can't, you can't ship guns. <laughs> and I'm like, yes, yes, I can. And yeah. Like, no, you can't. And I'm like, no, I can. I've done it twice now. Go get the manager, please. And the manager comes out and was like, what's the problem? And they're like, he's trying to ship a gun. And I'm like, and he's like, so? <laughs> Every yeah. single time well, it was like, you can't do that. And I'm like, yes, I can. <laughs> just so you know, Aaron, those days are over. I know, I know. But, uh, but that was, that was funny to me because the, so I, I first went to the UPS store. Turns out those are not managed by UPS. Those are done independently. So you can't do shit like that there. You have to take it to the distribution center. So luckily the distribution center from the store is like a mile away. So I went to the distribution center and every single time it was an argument. You know, like, yeah, I know. Like, you can't I, yeah. Like, yes, I can. <laughs> yeah, when I lived in Washington and I sold, I sold a, I sold my M1 for the Jungman, and that was like a whole damn hassle trying to find somebody that would accept it so they could mail this thing out, and it was like going from place after place and talking to this person and this employee and the manager and whatever just to find, yeah. Yep. I like one yeah. of the UPS distribution center because they're they're like, hey, is this a gun? Yeah. Oh, cool! What is it? Like they—they they didn't care. <laughs> oh yeah, it's this. Oh, that's awesome, man. That's awesome. You know, I just walk out. Like, speaking of weird shit, UPS. I saw. I for some reason I've been re- like you get recommended YouTube shorts. You know, we were talking about shorts, Danny. I got mm. been recommended this this one really intense interview with this guy that used to be like a really high level like drug trafficker in the United States, and and he's. I think I've seen this one. He's talking about like yeah. we, we never sent sent stuff UPS or FedEx because it goes to a distribution center and they know it and they steal it. We we would we would we would expect to lose about sixty percent of our product anytime it went through UPS or FedEx. USPS, almost hundred percent delivery. And we're like, What? I'm like, What? <laughs> <laughs> it's like they figured it out real fast at UPS and FedEx. They got that figured out and they would steal it. It wouldn't be it wouldn't be like it would get caught and they would get in trouble. It was like, no, it would just disappear. Yeah, just employees would take it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he's not talking like he's not talking like bricks of cocaine. He's talking about marijuana. But I'm like, they just would take it. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Uh, are we talking to I mean, we can go over like pattern collecting. I know we're all getting kind of tired. It's like 12. Yeah, it's like it's like twelve thirty here. Yeah. Real time. I mean, I think the same reason, I think we both got into it for the same reason. It, they were cheap and available. Right, Cody? Yeah, no, that, that's definitely a good thing. Um, but, you know, there's there's pros and cons to it. We find it interesting. I, 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 yeah, you find it interesting. Like, one pro, there's a pro and a con here that are, like, exactly the same. Pro, you're less likely to overpay when you real when you know, like, everything. Like, like, I can pick up, you can hand me a federally, and I can know, like, pretty much everything I need to know about it in like 30 seconds to know exactly like, all right, this is worth this much and everything looks good or bad. So you're, you're less likely to overpay for stuff like that, but then you're also more likely to overpay for other things. Like, because when you're like all focused on pattern collecting, if you're missing like one thing and you get an opportunity to buy it, you'll pay like double, triple the, you know, you'll pay way over what everybody else would pay. So you overpaid, but for you, it's like, I gotta have that. So like, like for me, my back in the day, this was like overpaying for when I bought uh, 
I bought the my M95 rifles that were uh, the Czech rifle, the Czech produced BRNO, and then also the M95 24. I paid five hundred dollars each for those. So those that's that's high end M95s. Uh, even nowadays, that's that's high end M95s. But back when I bought those, that was like holy shit, you you got screwed. But like those are very rare. Like those are five thousand produced or under both of them and it's like so like you're saying you're right is that oh yeah i'm gonna overpay for it because i know what it is and and versus somebody that's ignorant of it like we were just talking before the podcast uh somebody on on one of the facebook groups for the n95s they found a extremely who knows how rare prototype uh, m95 with a folding an underfolding bayonet which is kind of similar to an SKS where it has the the underfolding bayonet and that that was a, a legit prototype who knows how many were made nobody knows and he just found it at a gun show and it's like he didn't probably overpay for that because nobody knew what it was and versus Danny today found an M9524 for $800 because that guy knew what it was so that's that's the problem is is that with a pattern collecting especially with obscure stuff like me and you have in, gotten into is that there's not a lot of people that know what they are so they just don't know what to price it at luckily you can get lucky and get some really cheap ones or you can get screwed yeah, i got really lucky with uh so for the uh little veterly cavalry carbines they have a little socket bayonet that uh, you reverse and it goes into the stock a lot of times you find those and they're missing the the socket bayonet, no bayonet on them. And without the bayonet, they're like a four or five hundred dollar little carbine. Uh, with the bayonets, though, they're only they're worth like eight, seven to nine hundred bucks, right? So the bayonet adds a couple hundred bucks worth of value. I got mine was like eight hundred thirty bucks for mine, um, even though it's not matching with the socket bayonet. But you will never find a veterly socket bayonet on its own because of just how how few of them there are and when once they get separated if they're not attached to the rifle then nobody knows what they are right and they're just gone forever um and i was i was looking because I, I got a military police carbine that takes the same the military police carbine uses the same bayonet as the cavalry carbine um, but it didn't have a bayonet so i started looking and i was reading forum posts from people um and, and like one person said I found one in 25 years and it went for like 1500 bucks. So it's weird because like the bayonet on its own will sell for more than the bayonet and the rifle combined would because finding one on its own is so hard that somebody who has the rifle but needs the bayonet will pay a lot for it. And there are really like nobody would ever know what they look like um, if, if you showed it to them. They wouldn't know what it was. I found one last year at a estate auction in Maryland and got it for 90 bucks because it was just listed as antique bayonet. And I, as soon as I saw it, I went, that's a veterly socket bayonet. And I bought it because nobody was going to bid against me. Once I got it up to like 90 bucks, they're like, no, because they just thought it was just some bayonet. But like, that's the nice thing when you, when you get really into pattern collecting stuff and you know, every marking, you know, every, angle of something like you can identify stuff and, and pick stuff out and i really like that because you're you're not going to get shafted nearly as much i don't think yeah i was gonna 
about pattern collecting, I was going to say, I think you, Cody and, and Aaron, you guys are the big pattern collectors because you all kind of like m most of your collection, like 90% or whatever, is probably the same sort of system. Yeah. I think uh, I think Jared and I are both Mauser fans. I probably most of our guns are Mausers, but we have like a lot of different types of rifles. I wouldn't and stuff say like you're a pattern collector, Danny. Mm -hmm. If if your Mauser collection was all Swedish, then I could say you're a pattern collector. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of weird. Like I thought about it because like if I sold everything except for Swedes, then I would be a, like a Swede pattern collector. Mm -hmm. But yeah, on its own, I guess it's there's like a certain ratio or something where where you become one. But I was talking to I was talking to a guy one time who's who's real big into Finn Mosins. And he knows I kind of like everything. And I bought something weird. And he's like, what the hell did you buy? That's so that's so odd, you know, because it, it seemed really random to him. He's like, you need to specialize. He's like, you got to specialize on something and just and just kind of stick with it instead of buying all this odd stuff. But his thing was uh, fins. He just only he bought finish everything, every every gun the fin, the fins ever used. And that was like his thing and his focus. And he's crazy about it. And he's got rare stuff and whatever. See that um, that that just works from my personality too, though. Is that I I I got to the point where I just was like, I just have too many random things. I'd like to just focus in on one thing, and that's just how I am. Is that I was just like I wanted to be focused on something and on one specific item, and it just happened to be the M ninety five. It could have been anything at that point. I mean, we were talking, Danny, about me doing um, the I was the eight millimeter hipster. Remember? Oh uh, yeah, yeah. I was uh -huh. gonna do all the different eight millimeter calibers, but not eight millimeter Mauser. Like, there's a ton of them actually that I didn't even know existed, like Murata and stuff like that. Um, and then I started looking into how much those would cost, and I'm like, holy crap, this is ridiculous. I'm not buying a two thousand dollar Japanese rifle and never shooting it. What? Yeah, just so you could say you have that that eight millimeter, yeah. Like, yeah. And so, and it just, I'm not going to buy more than one. Hell no. So uh, that that to me just struck that out the window. And then I don't know where or how it ended up being that I started with the M95s. I had one in my collection already. It was a J and G sales pickup. I didn't. It was just like RTI. It's a lottery. You got a, you didn't you got a a bank a uh, a gallery of like here's like a couple of them we had that were out when we took a picture and i ended up with one and that's the one that went semi fully automatic um the the one that slam fires semi bolt yeah. action yeah uh so but i don't i i honestly don't know where it came from uh, i just i bought a second one and then it just spiraled i don't know i just lost it I yeah yeah that's that's why I don't do it. You get bored. I get bored because I GX like says. to shoot them. Yes, when you, if, when you collect a lot of different things, when you get a new, I don't know what you are like. When I get a new gun, it's like staying by my side for a couple of days so I can play yeah. with it before it gets put away. When you collect a lot, like everything, each one's like fun and new. Like when I get another veteran, it's like all right, yep, this is this is great. I know everything I need to know about this. Clean it up, put it away. So you do lose that. Um, that that was my thing. Collector. Like, I mean, I have a bunch of Mausers, and I I have a bunch of stuff that like I have to shoot. To me, I have to shoot them. Mm. They have to be able to be shot, and I want to be able to make some of them shootable. So 
I've gotten less and less off that shooting path because well, I mean, I've shooting yeah. two kids, and then just the way the finances yeah. have been, I, and with COVID and everything, it's just can't buy primers. It's, it's just not been. <laughs> oh yeah. So like, I don't think I've shot a gun in over two years, probably over three at this point, and uh, like it's like I, I'm still buying stuff. It's just I, I don't. I don't know if I would buy something that was obviously broken, uh, but I I'm not opposed to it as much as I used to be. Let me put it that way. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I, like I have, I have four Mosins M ninety one thirties. I have like a hex, a nice round receiver, a shitty round receiver, and a fin. I don't need to buy any more 9130s, even though my brother has one that I'm probably going to buy as trade fodder. But, but that's you, like. But would you buy an Imperial 91? Yeah, I have one. Danny sold me one. Yeah. It's okay. So that, that's another Mosin, though. It's still a Mosin. Oh, 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 I have Mosins. I'm not buying M9130s. Mm. I, have a, I have a 2830, I have an M90, uh, M39. So, like, to me, it's the pattern is like Pokemon. I want to catch them all. Not just one at the same time. I'm not just out for Pikachu. Get all the different, yeah. All the whole damn decks, all right? <laughs> he doesn't want every version of Pikachu that existed. Yeah. He wants every... You gotta get the shiny. Yeah, exactly. And also, like, there's Pikachu with a surfboard. Nope, is, don't care. This it's all is, fucking rat. This is some, right? uh, this is some Pokemon all... trading card game uh, deep yeah. lore, guys. This is, this yeah. is it. This is what so, yeah. This is where we're going to start talking about uh, NFTs, guys. Uh, Digimon versus Pokemon. Surf World NFT right now, and it's an <laughs> image. It's an image of a donkey kicking me in the ass. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. That would but be yeah, to say it is like I don't. I get bored, and it's easy to. What I think what you said, Cody, is kind of kind of hits hits the nail on the head because it's. If you have, yeah, if you already have 10 plus of them and you buy another one and it's got to be real special to kind of stand out from all the other ones, which odds are probably isn't that much. And then, yeah, and then it's just yeah. kind of like, OK, got another one. And but I don't know. I don't know if that's like a personality thing or, or whatever, where like you're you're OK with that and you, you like that. You want to stay in your comfort zone or, or something. You end or, up having odd reasons for buying guns i think when you're like pattern collecting like i bought a gun i bought a veteran that had like holes in it where it was mounted up on a wall and one of the holes where they drilled through it got the barrel a little bit not that it was like it wasn't structurally bad but i think overall the bore was shot but i bought it because the cartouche when they converted it to 6.5 carcano was like perfect i literally spent like 300 bucks on the gun just for the stamp never shot it just sits in there just for the stamp you wouldn't do that for any other reason like you just come up with odd reasons to buy this like i need this gun because of that stamp and i've bought a couple just for stamps and stuff. i'm just thinking of the hilarity that like they just didn't come up with a hanger they just fucking screwed the gun blowing <laughs> hole. Hey, they did hey. that looks like it's oh, what they did charlie come here and hold this up against the wall while i screw it just screw it. it in there it's like a it up bit where it skipped you know, yeah. Yeah. They just wanted generic old gun on the wall for decor at that yeah. place. Yeah. At that at that old cracker barrel or something. And <laughs> that's what it is. And they just barrel. screwed it on there. 
Yeah. I have seen like uh military stuff at like Cracker Barrel, like up oh, on yeah. the wall and shit. Like I'm like, what the what is that doing up there? Every now and then, yeah, I'll see like a shotgun or something like at a at one of like a themed restaurant or something on the wall. Yeah. It's like, or the guy like in our that. Discord that, that found the uh oh no, it was Sam, wasn't it? Sam found that uh um that gun store with the the wall of M ninety five long rifles. Oh yeah. Yeah. It was like yeah. 70 or 80 M95 long rifles just in a straight row. And I'm like, where's this at, Sam? Where is this located, Sam? But unfortunately, they appear to be all missing their bolts. And some of them are missing other parts, too, it looks like. So it's probably just a bunch of stocks and shit. But, or maybe barreled actions. But unfortunate. But it does look like they're pretty beat up <laughs> in the picture. Maybe he took the bolts out and he put them in a box or something. That's probably what it is. But there was attic. a lot... And they weren't all—they weren't short rifles at all. They were all long rifles, and that was like, whoa, okay, that's weird. Yeah, I always hate that though when you see it in a store and they're like up off somewhere because it's like that's not for sale. That's just—they have like no mill serps for sale, but they got like you know twenty on display. Yeah. Yep. It's like I, yeah, I see that, and that that drives me nuts. I was at a gun store pretty far away that I dropped into, and they had all modern stuff. And then, like, up in the corner, there's a couple mil serps, and there's a Gewehr 88 with a $100 price tag on it. And I said, I'll, I want that. And he goes, uh, it's not for sale. I said, like, it says 100 bucks, And he's like, no, it's not for sale. That, that type of stuff drives me crazy. You get that, or you get, like, the one mil serp, and you're like, oh, what's the cool car in an AZ, you know? Oh, yeah, that's, like, 1200 bucks. It's all mismatched import markets. Why? Well, I saw one gun broker for sale that much. No, no. No, that's that's okay. There you go. There's like the number one thing where you find something and you go, how much do you want for this? Yeah. Gun broker. They go straight to gun broker yeah. and that's and then they go, uh, 1400 bucks. And you yeah. just you just want to like throw it at them and be like, come on, dude. Yeah. I hate that. Well, my my personal favorite is the gun store here that that has and it still has a heavily moder- modernized uh uh, M9130 with like a muzzle brake that is literally like this long and that thick. It looks like a fucking Barrett 50 cal muzzle brake that they shoved on the end of this gun. It weighs like 40 pounds because they've just weighted it. It's supposed to be like this massive, like accurate, long range thing. And I'm just like, and they want like $2,000 for it. I'm like, why? What are you doing? It's just like a. That's just like a conversation piece or something at that point. Oh, yeah. It's all tricked up. Like, the stock's all... It's not an Archangel or whatever that is. It's actually like a custom stock or whatever. And it's all black. Everything's been, like, creocoded black. And it's, like, just made to look like this fucking, like, awesome-looking thing. And it's like a 1942 Tula or whatever round receiver. I'm just like, what? What? Why did you... Who did this? What did you do this for? For fun? It wasn't for profit because it's been there for five years. For fun. You know, I was I was working at a gun show and a guy bought a ninety one thirty, and as he was walking away, I heard him say something about put it putting it in an Archangel stock. Like, yeah, we're gonna put this in that Archangel stock and blah blah. blah. Like as he's walking away, like he was gonna do it, and I was just like, oh, son of a bitch, people are still doing that. You know, I was just thinking about it, and then I went, oh fuck, I should go ask him if I could like have his stock or like buy it for like 20 bucks or something off. You're just going to throw this away, right? I'll pay 20 bucks for it. Like that sort of thing. 
just to keep it because I have a couple I have a couple uh Mosin stocks. I have a, a 9130 stock with the hardware and uh an M38 or M44 like the the carbine stock just cuz I found it for probably somebody did exactly that with it and then the stocks ended up who knows where and so I picked them up for cheap. Find but, the uh, handguards, man. The handguards is what everybody always yeah. is looking for. Yeah, first I think mine have the handguards. Yeah. First thing you go. It's always the first thing. Always. <laughs> I found a I found a beautiful uh Imperial M91. What's the the what's the weird name? The really long named Arsenal. It's like so oh, that was in the trivia the other day. That's for yes. Yeah, I don't know. What about Peter? It. Oh. Yeah, it's really long. It's like a bunch of lines and a beautiful, perfect thing. The stock wasn't uh, the the stock wasn't uh, cut up, but they took the handguard and threw the handguard away. The stock was fine. They didn't mess with it. They just took the handguard off. And I'm just like, why? <laughs> what was the point of this? You saved two two ounces. Bubba's gonna bubba. And uh, and I was like, well, maybe I can find a handguard. Oh no, fuck! You can't Imperial M91 handguards. Good luck with mm-hmm. that. Well, a lot of the fins were imported that way. They took the handguards off. I don't know. Don't don't bitch at me. Bitch the fucking importers. <laughs> In the nineties, I don't get that. Like, oh, it was sporterizing. It was you know to make it more like. I'm like, but that's not saving weight. You're not two, an ounce or two ounces. You're not. In fact, you're making you it carry worse. five extra cartridges with you're that saying, weight. Come you're on. making it worse because now you're gonna, yeah. your hand's going to touch the barrel and you're going to burn your fucking hand. I've seen a few like lots, like uh, parts, like Mauser parts or whatever lots of stuff. And it was all like, I was like, wow, there's a lot of neat random like Arasaka parts or whatever. And it was just because there's like a gunsmith who like for 50 years sporterized guns. So he just has handguards and like all this plethora of, of like spare parts because he just shot up I mean, so many, you know, chopped up so at many guns. Yeah. 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 At least he did. Um, I should have bought a lot more of it when I when I came across some of it. But uh, yeah, I bought quite a few of it. I think I sent I sent pictures to the group chat when I bought a bunch of random stuff. Like he sporterized like uh, the the uh, the German 22 DSWs, the 22 trainers. Don't know why, but there's bags of like just like hand guards and parts for those just because he cut the stocks up on them. And so I'm like, money, they wanted them sporterized. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. Yeah, I still meet I still meet older older gentlemen every now and then that are like one guy he had a bunch of my bought one from him and he was like yeah back in the day I uh used to sporterize these he, he at least he said it like with some shame instead of he's like man you know. that was really stupid <laughs> yeah. I had somebody I had somebody suggest that to me yeah that's that's what gets me is that they that there are still some people who think. I'm going to take this O3 and I'm going to sporterize it. And then it'll make me a hunting rifle. It's like, dude, you could sell that rifle for a grand and buy a new rifle that shoots better with an optic and make money. Like I was at the range. (laughs) I was at the range shooting a Vetterly 7087. And a uh, guy came up and said, you ever thought putting a scope on that? And I was like, why, why would I ever do that? Yeah, that's like the uh, I don't know. That's like the 
Is that the old timer thing? They just your eyes get so bad at a certain point that you Dude, just have you to could, put a scope you on could everything. Show up, or... You could show up to a range with like a a musket and somebody go, "Oh, why don't you drill and tap that for a scope?" <laughs> and the Some thing of them that were just lost. The thing that gets me about that is, so they do the there's a turkey shoot and an egg uh, a ham shoot every year at the range, and you shoot an egg at ninety yards offhand. And I've done it. I've got it. Like with. I've done it with a K31. I've done it with a P17. I've done it with an M1. Like, I've done it, right? And if you do it with a rifle with a scope on it, you see this. This is what you see when you're shooting. Because you're, you're offhand with no support. And your crosshairs are going back and forth. But when you shoot with opens, you see this. It's dead solid. Because you your eyes cannot understand the, the slight adjustments that are happening. And I've had better luck shooting with open sights. Because I don't see the mass, the little micro movements. Yeah. That opens up. It's a, it's, it's really fun. Try it sometime. If you don't, and if you don't believe me, if anyone doesn't believe me, shoot offhand at hundred yards because you focus the whole time on, man, I'm, I'm like, I'm all over the place. I gotta be left. I gotta be right. I gotta be left. I gotta be right. And you're, you're back and forth but with opens. I'm like, shit, I'm on that bitch. Boom. <laughs> and then especially the old guys that are there. Cause always old guys are like, how did you do that? I'm like, you just hold the rifle up and shoot it. Like <laughs> it's really fun. I don't know. I enjoy the hell out of it, but especially with Range, an old next time. <laughs> yeah, especially with an old Millsurp gun. It's the best. Like the P seventeen, the the M seventeens, Eddie Stones, whatever you want to call them, they're the best. The, the flip up sights. You have the sight flipped up, and you're just you know, and you touch. Oh, I love it. It's the best. <laughs> I have to say, probably my favorite experience would have to have been the guy that had like a full on like vice set up on one of the tables so that his gun was locked into place. It's a ransom rest. And, and he was shooting some semi-automatic, but it was a 22, but it had like this massive fucking optic on it. And I'm just like, the fuck, whatever. So I'm down, I don't know, three or four lanes down from him. There's no walls or anything. It's just tables. Right. And, I'm shooting at a hundred yards of the steel plate and I'm pretty sure it was my, either my M91 30 or the type 53. So it's surplus out of that spam can I got. And when you hit that steel plate, it sounds like a fucking hammer is hitting it. Right. Cause he's, his like little 22 is going ting, ting. And then when mine is bang, and then it did that. I did that three times. I'm not saying I'm a great shooter or whatever. I did it three times, and he starts packing his shit up to go. He's like, I'm I'm not dealing with this. <laughs> I'm just like, what is going on? <laughs> I know a lot of old timers that are into that. Yeah. yeah. Like into the, the like I don't even mm-hmm. I wouldn't even call it shooting. You're 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 sitting it on a vice and you're like getting it dialed in and then and then yeah. shooting it. And I'm just like, that's not shooting. You're pulling the yeah. You're just pulling the trigger. You get it set up and you pull the trigger. But then you get to say that this gun is super accurate. It can it can hit a dime. You know, all the rounds hit within a dime. That's what he was doing. He wasn't. It wasn't like he was trying. I don't know. Maybe he was trying to sight it in. That maybe that's what he was trying to do. I don't know. But it was really weird. The whole set. I've never seen another full setup like that again. That's the rifle can shoot that good. You can't. Hmm. That reminds me of that. Have you seen that little video that that's making fun of that, where the guy's like going all in on measuring everything and being precise with the shot? Mm. 
No, I don't. I don't think I've seen there, that. there's this one. It's like it's like a minute long video, and it's like he's doing everything. He's checking the wind speeds. He's measuring the temperature. He's doing all these calculations, dialing in a scope, um, and, and it's like this long. It just keeps going on and on and on. Every single little thing. It gets behind the rifle, pulls the trigger, and like hits like eight inches off to the left, and he gets up and he like throws it on the ground, and the the target's like five feet in front of him. It's like I don't know. You gotta find the video of that is yeah. really funny. I mean, there's there is science to that, and there there are times where you should do that. Like if you are sighting in an optic, yeah, because you want the optic to be oh, on. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But then your eye reads the optic differently, so you're off. Like if you hand your your friend a rifle, he he might see the optic differently than you do. So like you you want to be on zero, but beyond that, it's you. The rifle's more yeah. accurate than you are. Minute of man. That's all you need. Yeah. No, sir. Yeah. You can hit something, you're good. Yeah. I don't I just don't like scopes that much. No. I've never enjoyed shooting through a scope. Because we're I've young. Also, I don't know what it is. Uh, I've also done the dumb thing where uh you get the raccoon eye where oh. you get a little too close to that scope. Uh, and yeah. it uh it tells you you're too oh, close. Oh yeah. <laughs> you get the yeah, you get the scope like right, right there when you shoot. Yeah. And, yeah. Oh man, you always see. Mm-hmm. You always nice. see that the person like has the rifle stock over their shoulder or something, trying to. That always pisses me off because it's always a girl. Oh, oh man! And they're taking a video of it, and I'm like, you know, I realize that the girl's getting hit by whatever it is, but you're the asshole because you know better, and oh, you fuck that shit. Can't life. handle recoil videos like, or whatever. Like, that. yeah, it's, it's like it's super shitty because it's like. It's really cool of her to go to the range with you. Yeah. yeah. And like you unappreciatively put her through something instead uh, of making it an enjoyable experience for a cheap laugh. Yeah. Put a slug yeah. shot in a, uh, in a, like a sawed off shotgun with a pistol grip. Yeah. Just be like, haha, try to handle this bitch. You try to handle it. Yeah. It's like that chain yeah. going like, you're not going to teleport. as soon as somebody touches that. Yeah, it's a 90-pound woman shooting a shotgun with high brass in it. What do you think is going to happen? Like, I can't tell it, you how many um, times I've seen videos of what the, the, the pistols with, or the shotguns with the pistol grips. And, yeah. And it's just like, what do you expect is going to happen? Like, what, yeah. what do you think is going to happen? And, and it's lowbrow FUD humor. Yeah. And the only time that I can honestly say where I did anything like that, and it was not like that, where I'm like videoing my wife, was we put high brass, we we shot low brass, and I was like, listen, this is what we put in the shotgun when we go home. And it was high brass buckshot. I'm like, I want you to shoot at least one round so you know this is what's coming if you need it. And she's like, okay. And it thumped her, and she's like, that sucks. I'm like, okay. So if you're going to shoot it, you got to know what's coming because you're going to need another round. And like that was the yeah. end of it. But you warned her, and she expected oh, yeah. it. I shot it first. Like I didn't, I didn't just throw high brass in it and walk away. Like I shot it first. Like, I wasn't ah, the only ah, one on the range. Yeah. Like we talked about it. You know, I, I fully I gave her like the college explanation of what was going to happen. And she shot one round and she was like, okay, thank you. But I've had on the other side of the coin, I've had people that are like, I won't touch a shotgun. I had a guy who put high, like he did something and it really hurt me. I'm like, he ruined your entire shooting thing. Because he wanted to laugh at you. Fuck that dude. Mm-hmm. It's bullshit. 
Yeah. 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 I, fuck, fuck those guys. I don't. Yeah. Like, I don't like forty-five pistols because the first time I've ever shot one was a like a a small concealed carry Kimber that's literally like like the size of my hand. Yeah. It's like it's like this big, and it's a forty-five. Yeah, <laughs> I, I fucker just I get like, it. Ah! I'm like, no, yeah. no, 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 no. I don't like shooting 44 mag, not because I can't shoot a 44 mag, but because it recoils goofy for me in my hands. I, I don't know if it was just, I think it was just the Smith that I was shooting, but I've shot like 454 and that's fine. But 44 mag in a Smith to me hurts. Mm. So I don't shoot it, but I, and I know how to shoot it. Like, no, sir, Mike, let me shoot his 44 mag. And I thought that thing kicked a lot. He was going to let me shoot his, his 500. He has a 500 Smith. And I was like, let's start with the 44 first. And I shot it, and I was like, that's it. I don't need Actually, any more. Have you Comically, seen... I think what it was is it was a Super Red Hawk or a Smith. It might have been a Smith, but it was double action. Where the single actions, because I have a 41 Ruger, the single actions that don't have the extra uh, spur for the that just comes with a single, a double action frame, like an actual cowboy gun shoots real good for me. Cause they kind of flip up so you can come up and they flip up at the same time. So try a single action only. Hmm. A couple months ago, a friend of mine at the range, uh, he was shooting a 500 Magnum. He was shooting some reloads for, and uh, I've never shot anything handgun wise beyond like a 38 special. 45 like nothing crazy and, and he was shooting his 500 magnum and he says you want to shoot it and i'm like i've never shot 357 44 anything like I've, I've never shot anything more than like a 45 so he hands it to me and puts one round in there and i i want a 500 magnum <laughs> they're a lot of fun the the best training tool that i've had is for at least a new shooter and i use my wife as an example she's not here she's sleeping which is, it's a six-shot revolver, but five rounds in it. Because she was shooting, like, here, 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 here. And then she would get mad, and then it would click, and she's like, Ksh! I'm like, see? That is the problem. Put five rounds in it and see what she does. It was, it was the best, because then she started doing it on her own. She put five rounds in it, and then the third time, she she went through like it was like the second shot and she was click and she was dead on it and then from there she was drilling holes with it. Oh yeah, the old the, the old flinch. Yeah, somebody yeah. That, that reminds me. Somebody just commented Aaron on the video of uh, Sam shooting the M ninety five and said something about him flinching. The one with me and Sam. Yeah, yeah. Let's see. Yeah, that flinch though. LMAO. Yeah, the uh, Swiss K31 versus Styrm 95 video. Uh, uh, whatever. From a, from a Robert. I'm not going to say his last name. Uh, I was going to say, we were talking about uh, ridiculous stuff we've seen shot. I'm not, I haven't shot it myself, but I've seen somebody shoot this. There was somebody at the range one time that had a 5090 Sharps, the black powder. Yeah. And he shot it. <laughs> I was like, well... I've never seen a bowling ball go down Ranger for, but <laughs> today is a new day. <laughs> yeah. Black powder. There was a, there was a, there was a sharps, a Petersoli sharps at the gun show today in 45, 120. 
Oh, with cool. a with an with an octagonal bull that barrel. Wrong? Yeah. That Pedersoli sharps weighed probably twenty something pounds. Yeah, I really cool. struggled to shoulder it. That's a quickly yeah, done. Forty five one twenty. That's yeah. awesome. That's that shit's. I like that stuff. I don't know. I, Muzzle loading is fun. I I, I have a Pedersoli bounty fifty caliber pistol. It, it's like a sixteen inch barreled percussion pistol in fifty cal. And I load that thing with like 50, 60 grains of, of 3F. It's it's a beast. I love it. That's why I like the Martini and the and the Snyder. Like I yeah. I've never handed someone like because we went we did this uh it was our unit, but we did like a machine gun shoot. And I showed up and the first thing I shot was the Snyder, black powder. Like everyone's like, what do we shoot first? I'm like, here. And I gave I gave someone the Snyder and they're like, it's like it is fun. It's just fun. I've never handed anyone the rifle that didn't just shoot it once and turn around laughing. And it's 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 a five seven seven on like eighty five grains of black, and it's just this, and it pushes you. It doesn't it doesn't hit you. It pushes you that's, back. It, that's what uh, the guy that shot the the fifty ninety said. It wasn't. It's not like a. It's not a like a punch like smokeless is. It's a shove. It's a shove. Yes. And it's, and it's and it's it's just like a big guy walked up and goes boom just like that. Yep. That's exactly how I would describe it's not, it. It's not a punch. It's just get out of my way. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And I took it down to, to West Virginia for a buddy of mine and we were shooting at like a fridge and something else just because he was he had some shit to shoot at. It didn't matter. And he put like a pan or a pot on top of his fridge and he's like, can you shoot that? I'm like, yeah. And I throw around in it and I shoulder it and I shot and I blew the thing off of it and it puts a hole in it. that's that big. And he's like, that is so cool. Like, he wanted to shoot it, and then it was, you need to come down here and hunt deer with this thing. We need to shoot a deer with this thing. <laughs> it's, just, it's just fun. Anyway, it's, it's midnight yeah. here. It's yeah. 1 a.m. for it's officially one. midnight, so it's, it's a good time, to, uh, good time to call it quits, I guess, for, for tonight. Um, geez, I just realized I've been, I've been playing with this the whole time. I don't know. Hopefully it hasn't uh, been super loud. Uh, no. No, we just see your hands moving down. Right oh, down, here. just down here. Right here I was right definitely, here. definitely just, playing with this. Hang, yeah. hang, handling your gun, that's right. Handling yeah. my, my gun. No, that yes. one doesn't shoot blanks, does it? Clearly not. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't know, uh, only one had, person. We had a terrible joke series last time, so I figured we had a terrible joke right there. All uh, right. Oh yeah, yeah, we got to. Only one person's commented on the short about about kid number two coming. So I was uh, so I was ex- kind of expecting more people to catch that, but uh, yeah. So uh, so thanks so much, Cody, for coming on and educating us about the uh, about the Vetterlies and the um, and the explodiness of them. Thank you. Um, yeah, I'm gonna keep shooting them. Yeah, yeah. So if anybody runs across Cody, make sure you send him the link to uh, CNR Souls video to let him know I, about I, the. Every time he posts on Reddit, I'll, I'll do it. I'll send it a link to it. Sure. The next time, it the next time, uh, organize Othias to get on here with me, and then we can have like a, a hash it out. <laughs> yeah, that'd, that'd be a fun one. Yeah, just or yeah, just ask him like maybe who loaded for him or whatever. Because I I I wonder if maybe somebody else loaded, you know, reloaded it uh, the the six five for him, and they would know like the loadings or it's, whatever. It's a friend of theirs. They have a guy. That, yeah, it's it's yeah. a friend of theirs. That's what I mean. Like you'd have to probably find out like the the loadings yeah. and stuff to to answer that. But yeah, it's all 
all interesting and then like slug the boar and know what the what the boar what what were the boars of those guns that blew up you know do you even still have them yeah. you just throw i wonder what happened to them you just throw them away or something what do you do with I, I'm what do you do with... they're on the wall they're just on a different part of it they're just like in pieces <laughs> of it, just yeah, frame all the shards. Yeah, yeah, yeah next to that. Are you kidding me? That would yeah. be in the shadow box. I put it up somewhere. <laughs> like, especially if like if I yeah. was behind the gun and I survived, I would put that shit up in a shadow box. Are you kidding? It's me? like keeping your plastic off a motorcycle, man. Trust me. Yeah. So uh, yeah, thanks for everyone for watching. It's a late night one for yeah, us, so uh, forgive our fatigue. It's Milton uh, World nights. Yeah, yeah. After after hours. After hours. Yeah. Now we're gonna switch over to OnlyFans once it's since it's past midnight. <laughs> okay. Thank you, thank you, everyone for listening. We'll. Uh... Cheers. Okay. Prost. What are you doing? I've got my fan. Oh. OnlyFans. Okay. Oh. Okay. I see. Thank Is you for that one. Yeah. Are you still recording? <laughs> Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. There we go.